Cassie Lensing is a tattooed, dyed-haired former wild child. She's also a devoted mother and psych nurse practitioner. In this episode, Cassie talks about how getting pregnant at 19 completely changed the course of her life for the better. She shares her journey from life in small-town Iowa working at her dad's gas station to becoming a successful nurse practitioner, focusing on treating the person instead of just the mental illness. Cassie explains why the people usually considered society's lost are the most fulfilling people to treat and how having her own practice has allowed her to most effectively help people in her own style and in a less clinical setting. Cassie is also at the forefront of treatment. She explains the process of a new treatment that uses extremely controlled ketamine administration to help folks suffering from chronic treatment-resistant depression or acute suicidality that are not responsive to other medications and treatments. Cassie also takes the time to delve into how grief can be processed in a healthy and personal way. This episode is extremely informative, personal, and fun. Uh, this is Those Who Do, Psych Nurse Practitioner with Cassie Lensing. This thing needs to get the fuck out of my house before it's alive again. Maybe stop the cocaine. Yeah. Maybe. maybe I don't that even would say help. that usually. <laughs> yeah, I would just just put it right in front of your mouth. You'll get used. To, put it right in front of your mouth. She you'll said, get you'll get used to it. Said. You'll get used to it. Like here, here. This is close enough. Uh, come just a little closer, um, and that that'll pivot out towards you. So this like, does. yeah, you can move it however it's comfortable. Yeah. This close. Uh, close, that's yep. close. And uh, that's, yeah, actually there. And just normal talking volume. And if I need to adjust it, I will. And I'm trying something new, so I really hope it works. Um, but we'll see. I'm, it's like every single time I do this, I do something different. I love that for you. Yeah. <laughs> you need to experiment. Yeah. Do something really weird with me because that would be like fitting, you know? Well, you would think that after 15 years of doing this, I would have some kind of an idea of... I doubt it. Yeah, you're right. I don't know what I'm doing with things I do every day, so... <laughs> Many things. That's, yeah, that seems to be me even more so now than before. So how many of these have you listened to? I to listened the spot. to the yoga one. Mm -hmm. I loved Joe. <laughs> I was listening to the yoga one. Did she come before Joe and Jesse? Yeah. 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 And I was like, damn, you should really do Joe and Jesse. And then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so then I listened to that one. And that one was a lot of fun because yeah. it, it got, it went to a lot of really cool places. And so I like, just love them. Yeah. I love listening shit. to them talk. Yeah. So I've listened to those two and I started another... Who was your first one? Uh, that would have been Joe Stillman that did uh, wrote Shrek. Okay, so I started that one, but I haven't finished it. I'm like halfway through. Yeah, that one uh, was super inspirational for me because I was editing his first, and you know he kind of gets into like the creative process and like it, it, what you shouldn't do. And at no shit, I was right in the middle of doing something I shouldn't do. Oopsie. And it just like I re it made me reset. And so I texted him and I was like, hey, man, like, thank you. Thanks for this, because I'm editing your episode and you just totally like reset my OODA loop. I love that. <laughs> it was awesome. awesome. It was really cool. Um, so I, I didn't mean, get very far into that one yet. I don't know. I started it when I was doing laundry one day and lost my total train of thought. It's definitely a different like rhythm and vibe than the rest of them. Yes. Just because he's such a sweet human being. Um, I actually just talked to him the other day because mm -hmm. I'm going out to um, L.A. March 22nd what? for um, Tony's Celebration oh, yeah. Life, so, you did say that. which we'll um, probably talk about a little bit later. But yeah, so first of all, thank you so much. This is, uh, I think you're officially the first local person that I've had. I on. am? Yeah, yeah. Okay, no big deal. Yeah, officially the first. Celebrity. First, first person to come in here that's never been in here before. 
so um, nice. hopefully it's not too creepy in basement. No, I love it. Like. It's yeah. definitely basement-y, but in yeah. a good way. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I mean, technically those are full-size windows, but if I open them mm. up, it screws everything up in here. So Yeah, technically I have windows. They're just blacked out and covered. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. That's creepier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> Yeah, it's I'm mostly just a murder room, mm-hmm. if anything. Well, uh, I've had a good life. So. Yeah, I've had a good run. I've had a good run. <laughs> I did get to meet the dogs first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you can take that little weird-eyed one with you if you want. No. <laughs> He's just gross. No. <laughs> I don't so, do small dogs. Uh, I was like, you're here too. You're kind of cute. Yeah, I generally don't either, but we had a small dog before, and Jenny was absolutely in love with him. And then when he when he died, it was just like, I want another small dog. And I was like... But we have this big one. Yeah. And she's like, but I want another small dog. And I'm like, you're a small dog person or a big dog person? I guess. She's a small dog I guess, person. I guess. Which is weird because, like, he is so strange. Mm. Like, he's not a typical small dog. Like, he'll get on your lap for about four minutes mm. and then he'll just kind of wander off. Mm. Like, he's so weird. Does Hank live in your lap, though? Because he's a giant dog? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, he, he goes and fits and starts, though. Like, he. Because he gets warm really easy. Mm. So, like, he'll come up and just flump on you and, like, take up the whole couch in your whole life. And then uh, after about 10 minutes, he's like, yeah, that's enough. And then he'll go lay down on the pergo mm. where it's cool or go up in the bathroom on the tile. Like, he doesn't sleep in bed with us because he just gets too warm. So like the perfect blend of dog. Yeah, it really is. Maybe I need to stop getting, like, naked hairless dogs, short yeah. hair dogs. Because yeah. then they, they never get hot. They no. just want to live in your skin. Yeah, and that's not a thing, luckily. <sighs> he wants to be everywhere I am. Like, you saw, like. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> he was he down, be here. down here right now. He could be sitting in my lap. Well, he could be, except for he pants oh. so loud. <laughs> like really all bad. anybody listening is like, <laughs> oh, he just needs to get his breathing under control. <laughs> yeah, like in through the nose, out through the mouth, <laughs> asshole. Like get it, get it right. Get it right. Oh, poor buddy. Yeah. So he. Okay, uh, fine. He can't be here. When he gets up on the bed in the middle of the night, like, cause he'll come like check on us, make sure we're still there. Get mm-hmm. up in the bed and the whole bed's like. <laughs> Just from the just from the panting because he's just he's so chesty. Like every part of his being comes from his chest. Like his bark, his breathing, and it's like, man, stop shaking the bed. Mm. The neighbors are looking through the windows. They're really gonna wonder what's going on in here. <laughs> just the dog. Just, just the, the dog. dog. Nothing exciting. Just the dog. <laughs> yeah, he's sweet. I'll sweet. take him home anytime. I, I might let you, yeah. <laughs> especially when it comes time to buy more food. Mm. It's, it's not. I have plenty of critters he could eat in the backyard. It'd be uh, fine. He, luckily, he finally got over that. He oh. was killing rabbits for a long time, like bunnies. Don't let him come to my house, son. Lots of he'll, them? He'll yeah. reopen possums. Kane oh. brought a possum in my house the other day. Brought it in the house? Brought it. Like, I was on the couch, let him in. Poop. Dead? Possum. I don't know. I was like, they play dead. So I was like, this thing needs to get the fuck out of my house before it's alive again. So would you, would you use a shovel or would you do? I just grabbed it with oh, a towel. Yeah. <laughs> it was a whole ordeal. <laughs> my first, I was like waiting for it to, he plopped it and I'm like, that's a possum. Did it look like it was injured? It looked fine. Oh, I think, it was probably but then still it, it was still there the next day. So I think oh, it was it's probably dead. dead. Yeah, they don't play that dead. No, but I was like, you're about to wake up. <laughs> From your dead and be gone in my house. And then I have three cats and a dog that are going to be chasing you. It was very bad. And they are like, they are like one of the universe's biggest mistakes. I love possums. Oh God, they're all like, they're They're all jacked up. No, I love them. Like like a Cutlass Supreme with air shocks. They're the cutest. I feed one. He comes and comes up on my porch steps and I feed him every day. His name's Petey. Petey. Why PB? I don't know. My daughter named him. Because Jay was taken. <laughs> it just Jay. the possum. 
It has oh. to start with a P. But it starts with an O. No. It does. No. Possum starts with Possum. an O. Possum. Possum. No, we don't call them opossums <laughs> in my house. And my dog murder. So yeah, he could come eat some possums, some turkey. I mean, it's possible the possum was already dead. Sure. Was we'll it day- go with that. Was it daytime? No. Oh, God. Yeah. He and killed- it was small. I think it was a baby. He killed, it was that, like, killed that possum. Like this big. Baby. Oh, no. It was tiny. Oh, it fit no. in his mouth, and I didn't know he had it in his mouth when he came in until he plopped it. Is it plop? Yeah. It was, so bad. <laughs> was it all like soaking wet? Uh, no, it was like, it didn't like look hurt. So it was like, just looked like a possum in the middle of my living room. I, uh, it's bad. I, I think Hank carried a bunny to death. Like mm. I was chasing him around the yard and just its head was poking out of his mouth That's and its weird. eyes are looking around like, like what's happening? Just put me down. I'm not supposed to fly. <laughs> and Hank yeah. was like six or seven months old at the time. So he was not listening at all. Like there was no, no discipline at all. No. And then he finally, I finally got him to drop it and it didn't mm. move. And then it kind of moved, and then I went back out later. It was pouring rain at the time. I go back out later. Of course it was. It's very damp and just still in the same spot. Mm, I'm like, oh, it. damn it. I, I only like, knew because the tail was hanging out. Oh. Yeah. So at first, were you like, is that a rat? Yeah. Ugh. I was. I just freaked out. As soon as I saw the tail, I was like, drop it. Screaming. And he did immediately because he's like, oh, you don't yell ever. <laughs> What's happening right now? Oh, so gross. I'm scared. Oh, I don't know that I would have wanted him to drop it. Like, go outside. Now drop it. Yeah, I just panicked. I was oh. just like, get that thing out of your mouth. And then I'm like, why? Why did I say that now I have to touch it? Could you imagine if it would have been alive no. and it hit the ground and just took off running? No, this is literally as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is about to be loose in my house. Get a towel immediately. <laughs> this needs to leave. My uh, my dad had a squirrel <laughs> in his house once. It came through the, the sewer vent pipe and oh, out no. the toilet. And the only reason he knew that was because he went into the bathroom and there was dirt in the toilet. So it had come somehow. That is like the most disturbing thing I can imagine. Yeah. I don't want to picture anything coming out of the toilet. Yeah. What else? What other critters? I mean. Nope. I'm going to delete that. Clowns. Thank you. Clowns probably. Stop. (laughs) (laughs) I'm deleting this whole (laughs) sentence from my brain. Is that a thing? Is that a thing I haven't learned how to do yet? Uh, Yeah. If I could do that. It's called repression and it's not healthy. Oh, that's not deleting. That's just filing away. Well, it's deleting for the moment. It's putting it in a different cabinet. Mm, Locking the key. Throwing it away. Those locks aren't very sturdy. Saving it for therapy. Ah, Yes. Keeping you in business. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So the reason I asked earlier, like how much of this you'd listen to is so that you kind of see how much of the format you know. So you obviously know how we always start out. Like we always start out with, we want to learn about you before we get into what it is that you do. And of course that starts with little Cassie, right? Just a little baby. Little Cassie. And now I've known you for a very long time. So this question is going to sound stupid. Okay. Fair enough. So is it on the birth certificate, just Cassie? Mm -hmm. No Cassandra? No Cassandra. So just Cassie. I frequently reference myself as Cassandra when I'm doing stupid shit. (laughs) So that is a very fair question because I think it's confusing for people. Sure, sure, sure. Because you've probably heard me say Cassandra before, but no, it's just Cassie. Okay, so. That's my alter ego that I did myself. So we may talk about Cassandra later. Yeah, she's real and alive. (laughs) But for right now, we will talk about little Cassie. Mm. So... I always start around the age of four or five because as people who – all four people that have listened to the show will know, 
one of my most formative memories, and clearly you can tell by looking around this room, was 1983. I'm four years old. Return of the Jedi comes out. It's the first movie I see in the theater. So that's like my anchor point for formative memories. So I, I selfishly think that everyone else must have their anchor point be a four or five years old. And that's where uh, memories start. I know that that's not scientific or real. But I like to think it is. I love that. I love that. <laughs> and I like to start from somewhere because I'm like, OK, do you remember anything before three? Do you remember, <laughs> from two? Do you remember anything when you're three and a half? Yeah. Like this way, it's just like, OK, so four to five years old. Where are you? Where do you live? That's so long ago. That's I'm so surprised you remember something from that young. Like that's oh, yeah. your anchor. I'm oh. sitting here trying to think like what's my earliest four to five was kindergarten, right? Yeah. yeah so ish. I would have been living in Mason City. Yes. We moved a lot as a kiddo, so we were still in Mason City then. That's about all I remember from that time. Really? See, and <laughs> yeah. and for me, like uh, I link a lot of my memories to movies because I was a fat, lonely little kid. So like I had like movies are really big. So eighty three was Return of the Jedi. 84, 85 was Ghostbusters. You know, like it's like, it just, I can run those memories together and kind of know, like, and then after Ghostbusters, it was Land Before Time. Like Mm -hmm. technically the first movie I ever saw in the theater, technically, was Cheech and Chong. Ah, I love that. (laughs) At a drive-in theater. I couldn't tell you the first movie I saw to save my life. I vaguely remember that. I remember there being a blanket laid out on the ground next to the car and like eventually I went to sleep. That is awesome. But yeah, so the first real movie beginning to end that I saw was was Jedi. So four to five, you're living in Mason City. You said you moved around a lot. Were your folks together? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's kind of interesting. You link like age to movies, but I feel like I link them in my head to where we are living. Oh, sure. Because <laughs> we moved so much. So but that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, we were only there for not much of my childhood. We moved when I was in second grade to Charles City. To the well, Chuck. Floyd, technically, but oh, nobody's going to know where no, that is. So, no. Charlesity is the landmark. Well, Floyd, there was, a, there was a famous Iowa murder that happened in Floyd, right? Isn't that where the little girl was killed? Oh, yeah, yeah. Evelyn. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. I was like the same age as her when that was going on. No it was kidding. super wow, creepy. You are a lot younger than me. I am. I'm just a little baby. Just a little baby. A little baby. <laughs> yeah, I remember that weekend when they were like, my parents were part of the search party for that. Because oh, wow. my dad owned a gas station and... So he's like a big part of the community. Right. We were like having our first garage sale. I remember this like vividly because I was like, nobody's going to come to our garage sale. Our whole town is out looking for a missing child. We should probably cancel. Wasn't she like, she was like young, like six yeah. or seven. Yeah. Oh, well, I think she was she that young. Maybe I, I wasn't the was... same age as her. She was like, I thought she was eight or nine, but. I just remember she was like adorable and very, very tiny. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was yeah. sad. It, it was, was very sad. Deal. It yeah. was like, just, you could feel the heaviness in the whole town yeah. for like weeks. And then it ended up being her like shithead stepdad or something. something was it her stepdad or real dad stepdad i think and then he confessed in prison yeah there was drugs involved yeah. the like and running child theory, born. Yeah. yeah the yeah. running theory was always like trafficking because of an old drug debt as uh, why everybody in town but you know small yeah. towns so, yeah. yeah they always want things to be uh much more uh sexy and exciting than they yes. actually are too yes like, it's like usually usually the the most simple answer yeah is but nobody but, wants that. No, they don't. I mean, when you, when a guy goes to prison for 99 years because he has child porn on his computer, he probably killed her. Mm. You know? What? Yeah. <laughs> he just called, called a hunch. Yeah, so that's my fun hometown. Yeah, it's sunshine and rainbows <laughs> in the town of Floyd. Oh, the yeah. motto was uh, where the sun shines on kids. 
No. Yeah, for real. That's dark. Yeah. Oh, it is no. a sweet little town. I minus that. Yeah. Minus, I had a good childhood there. Minus so. the child murder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's my fault for bringing it up. I'm not gonna lie. Thank you for that. <laughs> thing. I already am from like Charles City. Was the meth capital at one point. And then you got to bring up the child murder and Floyd. Like, thank you. <laughs> Look, they passed it on to Old Wine. These like, are my roots. Old Wine has the meth capital. Yeah, they go Just back like and that. forth. I don't. I don't remember a lot who has it last. <laughs> I like how you like describe it like a. Like like a high school rivalry. Right. Hey, they got I'm the pink proud. statue now. I'm proud of our award. They got the bronze baggie now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, uh, those so are my roots. <laughs> oh, they're so. Does this not explain healthy. a little bit? I'm, or? Oh, I'm, 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 we're, yeah. we're already almost skipping ahead to why <laughs> things are the way they are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they, we're like in second grade. Like, there's just more to come. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so second grade, you're in Floyd. Now you said you moved around a lot. Yeah. So how long did you stay in Floyd? So yeah, second grade is kind of like where I feel like my childhood, I remember the most because mm-hmm. that's when we kind of, we moved to Floyd. So my parents could open a gas station. They just like broke ground in the middle of cornfield. Oh. And then that was like my whole childhood. They started it and opened it and grew the business and it was just a gas station, then it was a restaurant and a liquor store, so that was pretty cool. Wow. So not a chain then, just like no. that. Wow. No, just my dad's gas station. Wow. Rick's Wagon Wheel. Um, it was 218 Fuel Express was the gas station, and then the restaurant was Rick's Wagon Wheel. Wow. I was, um, we were all featured on the menu. I don't know if we're still on there, because he's <laughs> retired now, but uh, what was mine? Cassie's Catfish and my sister... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> awesome. It's my favorite, though. <laughs> I think my brother was walleye and my sister was chip beef on toast, I want to say. <laughs> yeah. I, I hate chip beef on toast so much. <laughs> oh, uh, what is wrong with you? This, Jenny says the same thing. Like, it's that's so like there's That's a staple, like, when like they go camping or, like... It's a have, poverty meal. <laughs> but it's, like, it's the... It's the texture. So her mom will always make. It's a weird texture. Her mom will always make sausage gravy for me instead. Mm. And then I'll eat that instead of the chip beef on toast because I just, it's, it's, it's too like, thick or. No, it's more like it's like snot and vomit. Like it's just like, <laughs> I don't like it. I also don't it's like beer cheese soup. Because it's the soup. same? Like, no, because it tastes like vomit to me. Like it's something about like the either. beer and the cheese together. Yeah. Like it t- it tastes like bile and yeah, I just I can't do it. I had a very unfortunate experience with beer cheese soup when I was pregnant and it ruined it for oh, me. yeah. Morning sickness. It was bad. That was me and hot dogs when I was five. Oh. Luckily, I'm, I'm back. I love hot dogs. Yeah, they got me back. Yeah, they, that's good. They got me back. But uh, it took a long time. My mom would always, if I would ask what we were having for supper, because my mom was cruel, hmm. she would be like, Peas and hot dogs, because she knew I hated peas. I love peas now, but back then, like the thought of a hot dog made me erp in my mouth, and then peas were. I don't like those; they're gross. But yeah, least so, favorite meal. Oh yeah, so she every time, peas and hot dogs, peas and hot dogs. Moms. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I totally squirreled off. So oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you guys swear if I we're, moved. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna do that. That's a thing. Especially for me. Yeah. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> That's why I told you. I was like, don't worry. I'll keep you safe and I'll keep you on task. Yay. <laughs> yeah. What? We can always circle back. I don't know. I don't know if keeping me on task might be a hard thing to do, but good luck. Well, it's the nice thing. The wonders of editing. Yay. We can always come back. <laughs> yeah. If I say any real stupid shit, I'm going to need you to just. Oh, no, that's fine. Yeah. That's that's the great thing about audio. Yeah. No one will even know. Yay. That's video is much harder because you can tell if there's an edit. That's true. Uh, with audio. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Audio. Yeah. Well, audio. good. 
you yeah. know. Yeah. You'll know. As soon as I say it, I'll be like, fuck. I'll be like, all right, what's the timestamp? All right, <laughs> Let we me are just... at 3045. Okay, yeah. that's going to get people fired. <laughs> I... That might cause an arrest. <laughs> I that's like my freedom. a murder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's a planned murder coming up. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, that's, yeah, I was, uh, we had a, on my old podcast, we would always have a thing where if my co-host or I would accidentally say where we worked, mm. we'd replace it. And this was even before I had my dog. We'd replace it with one of us just going, Hank. <laughs> <laughs> it's even better now yeah, yeah, with is. your dog <laughs> oh really my god is. that's Just awesome coincidentally that's what his name ended up being but yeah now, so it happens it happens and it's very easy to fix so that's good because yes. i stay a lot of the stupid shit yeah and you'll have a solid week probably where i'll be editing that you can you'll still have a chance before it Reflect drops back. I'm like, like, oh, maybe that story is not a good one. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about the orgy, that's got to go. That's got to go. Yeah. We can't have that in there anymore. I like my practice and my license. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, for sure. And my freedom. All and, of those things feel like they need to be a priority. And just in case I forget, which I don't think I will, but I am so proud of you. Stop. Like, don't make me like, cry. Like, having like, Doing your own practice and knowing for you for as long as I have and how much you hate working for other people. Dude. Like it is. <laughs> Why did I wait this long? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like I, I look at you and I'm like, God, I wish I had a skill that I could. <laughs> yeah. Gamble on. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty cool. It's I mean, terrifying and so much work. Well, but, but, but I mean, it's like, pretty cool. L- luckily, you have a pool of clients mm. and and I mean, your space is fucking amazing like it it is so nice like if i was ever gonna open like if i was ever gonna have an office for anything i would be i would love something similar to that it's It's so cool so industrial and cool and like and then you get inside the actual space and it's so cozy i know and you would not think it right like literally we almost didn't even look at that office i'm so glad we did well and for real i want blake to paint stuff for me Yeah, he's like, good. It is really, really good. We like formed his little yeah. LLC the other day. So oh. he's official. So oh. hire him. Well, good. This is my little plug. Because then you can do mine. Because yeah. I don't know how to do it. Perfect. Yeah. It's so easy. I mean, I call this an LLC. But it's, <laughs> it's not seriously really one, so but. easy. We did it like one night together, like within an hour. And then so. those are like 25 bucks or something. You got to pay like a... 50, 100. It's, oh. I just use legal Zoom, So it's so easy. I think it's 100. Do they recommend that you name it something different than the thing you're doing? Because like when somebody's making a movie, for example, they'll call it like like the new Ghostbusters movie. It was called Ghostbusters Firehouse. It was like a working like title. And then they'll, they'll actually do it under a production company that's not hmm. their production company. So the idea behind it is if something goes wrong, like say a crew member dies they're only suing that little production company That's instead true. of like Sony Pictures or whatever. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. I guess like because my I know for my industry, they like recommend you kind of have like an LLC through and then without your personal info so that you can't get personally sued. Right. They so can't it like come after your right. assets, your personal assets and stuff. But right? they still could. I mean, if it got well, to that point. Well, I mean, it's America. They can sue you for anything. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess I don't know for sure. Yeah. Well, it's super easy, though. Like I, I was really hoping you had done all the research and no. have the answers. I did like a year ago when I was really deep in the thick of forming mine, but that was like way gone out the window. I did mine and I was like, okay, I never have to think about this again. And then now I do. Squirrel. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, I'm going to focus really hard on this now it's gone okay good like like shouldn't you know how to do this like no that was a year ago i I knew how to do this right yes that is no longer a skill that i need and there is only a finite amount of room up here 
And uh, yes, yeah. and yes. You'll, you'll find as you get older, it gets even worse. That's so like, bad. Don't tell me you that. You will learn a new thing and it will push something else right the fuck out that's of your head. That's not good. It sucks. I already only have so much brain space. Don't yeah, tell me that. Agreed. Like it's, I'm the same way. And like, I have to, to do stuff like this. I have to continually learn like new yeah. processes. And I'm like, oh God, there went how to tie my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth it. It's yeah. a good trade off. Velcro tennies going forward. <laughs> crew, oh, God. crew shoes. <laughs> I'm going to commit you so fast. If you ever show up with Velcro tennis shoes. <laughs> oh, please don't let that be the thing. It only takes two signatures <laughs> and I'm one. I'm so. painfully aware. <laughs> I, i'm sure i could find a second oh god and well, i'm not even gonna have to explain anymore he is wearing velcro tennis shoes they're just gonna be like would you like to see a picture of him <laughs> uh, and they're gonna be like oh this should have happened a long time ago 48 hours no 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 this is gonna be the five day guy yeah, yeah. this is a longer yeah. one yeah we're setting a hearing <laughs> <laughs> and then an extension yeah 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 hey remember how it's uh it's inpatient outpatient or no patient mm -hmm. It's definitely not no patient. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> My brain chemicals aren't fair. <laughs> oh, okay. No, no, no. Zoning so, back. So you mentioned siblings, brother yes. and a sister? Yes. Um, where do you fall? I'm the middle baby and we're all five years apart. Makes of, sense. Of course you are. Right? <laughs> yeah. It tracks. Of course you are. Yeah. Give me attention. <laughs> Not, that's not me. We're the forgotten, passed over children. Right. And then you are screaming, give yeah. me attention. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't I'll just know. get one tattoo. Just one. That's how it started. Yeah, that's how it started. <laughs> now it's a yearly birthday tradition. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So middle child, older sister, younger brother? Younger sister, Damn older it. brother. I, I had a 50-50 shot. Yeah, really did. yeah. You didn't get it, though. No. No, I didn't. Brother is technically my half sibling, but... Not really, because right. we've been together our whole lives. So sure. he has different dad. And we're all five years apart. So she's five years younger. My brother's five years older. I'm just in the middle. So your folks, this was obviously their second relationship? Yes. Well, At so least. my mom had my brother when she was young, 16. Okay. That's like a weird pattern in my family. <laughs> my grandma had my mom young. My mom had my brother young. I like at least made it out of high school. So, and my sister out here breaking generational curses. She has no kids and she's what, 25. So I was 19. I made it out of high school. Everybody else was like 16, 15. Oh, shit. Just each generation gets a little bit further. Right. Yeah. Does right. uh, your brother have kids? Yes. He has two sons and a my niece. Did he did he do it right or did he do it? No. No. He was younger than me. Oh, he God. was 18. No. Whatever he that's what I mean. Every generation we just get was he 18? He was somewhere. He was 18 or 19. We might have been the same around the same age. Well, I mean, to be fair, there's not a lot to do in Floyd. No. Were you in you wouldn't have been in Floyd then though, right? Yeah. So you once you got to Floyd, that's where you guys ended up. Well, we like moved around in between Floyd. So oh, okay. we like lived in one house in Floyd. My parents like to flip houses. Okay. And renovate them and resell. So we, like in Mason City, we lived in like three houses. In Floyd, we lived in one. Then we moved to Rudd, which is another little podunk town over there. I don't even know if you can call Rudd a town. Oh, I you? love it. That was my favorite one that we lived in, for sure. But yeah, it was like, it's a pass-through. Like you and your neighbor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there was a bar there, though. Of course there was. There's probably a, a church, too, wasn't there? Oh, well, maybe. I didn't go, but maybe. Usually a bar and a church in every small town in Iowa. Yeah. And then three Casey's. Yeah. yeah. There was no Casey's. No. That's oh how my small God. it was. Oh, my God. We did have a little other gas station. I don't remember the name of it, but oh, no Casey's. Dials on the pumps, probably. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we lived in Rudd. Then we lived in Nashua for a little while at the Apple Orchard, actually. My dad bought that, and we lived there. And then back to Floyd. 
did your yeah. folks, are your folks still together? No, they split up when I was 15. Yeah, high was school. It, was it your fault? Obviously. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> Clearly. I was causing a lot of stress. <laughs> I've never, I've always wanted to ask somebody that. Because, <laughs> you know, like, that's the, the stereotype is the kids are always like, it's my fault. I was like, I'm just going to ask somebody yeah. sometime. It was really my brother's fault, but, oh, yeah. you know. Well, yeah, because, you know, grandkid and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he's the older one. He's <laughs> yeah. the first kid, so. And boys. So boys. I will say, that's all bullshit, because my boys were so much easier than these two monsters that are living girls, upstairs now. Oh. I feel like girls have a different type of heart. I mean, I only have one girl, but my nephew, I've been in his whole life, and I'm just like, girls are just a different breed of yeah. heart. Boys are dopey. Yeah. Girls are scary. Emotional oh, and scary. Mean. Smart. I went to, I had a, a physical yesterday for the first time in probably a couple of years. Oh, I had good to job. Self-care. Well, I had to switch doctors because color moved to Tipton. You found somebody new? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So it, luckily it was like a block from my house. It's awesome. Nice. But uh, I went and they're like, do you feel safe at home? Because that's their new question that yeah. they ask everybody. Yeah. And I'm like, first of all, what about me would make you believe that I would feel unsafe anywhere i hate everybody equally <laughs> but they don't uh, know you no, they so don't. they no, don't know they don't so i was like yes mostly and the oh, nurse is like no that's the wrong answer hold on i go i'm terrified of my seven-year-old no <laughs> and if that nurse has kids she was like yeah they, they enjoyed that relatable they, uh, they enjoyed that it was it was a it was a fun moment <laughs> in their day and i'm like no seriously Help. Yeah, please. That's <laughs> yeah, scary. SOS. Scary there. It's, yeah, what you saw of her up there, that's not her. <laughs> I she, figured. She was putting on a show. That wasn't either of them. No, well, it, it might have been the mm. older one. <laughs> I mean, it felt even even performing for her. I was like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. We know each other already. Well, she likes to uh, she likes to be the host. That's fair. You know, and that's uh, kind of, I think, what she was trying to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but that was fun. Um, <laughs> she's so funny. Yeah, uh, she is. But the little one is mean. <laughs> she's mean she's mean she's bossy um, you need both you need balance no no i want two good kids that you, would be fine you need both i guess i already have my two good kids but they moved out <laughs> uh, <laughs> successful courteous polite helpful. chalking this up to daddy issues later okay got yeah, it. probably mm -hmm. oh yep. for sure it's <laughs> it's yeah it's gonna be a disaster <laughs> now see now i'm the one getting off task i do that too loud. i do that too i have this effect on people yeah you know it's contagious it happens <laughs> Happens a lot. There's a reason I have three clocks in my office because I need to be able to know what time it is, no matter, no matter where, you're where I'm looking. Because we'll just go off on tangents. You're gonna have to hang one on the fire escape for when you're staring out <sighs> the window. A good idea. I have one right above the fire escape. I need one on the other side of the office because yeah. when people are on the one couch, I don't know, have any idea what time it is, and I'll be like, I'm so sorry, I have to look at my watch. Yeah, oh. and we just we. Oh, this has been a two and a half hour session. Yeah. I hate to do this, but I got to charge you extra. <laughs> I mean, it's your responsibility to watch the clock, too. Yeah. You should have cut me off. Hello. Part of what we're doing here is getting it to the point where you can take responsibility for your choices. <laughs> and clearly, you are not doing that. So clearly, let this be a lesson to you. We're both bad at boundaries. <laughs> got it. It's really bad when I have like a patient I've been seeing for a really long time. I know super well and I don't have a full day because we'll just talk for yeah. hours. It's yeah. bad. Or like, for example, you have a, a person who you've known super well who's 
daughter yeah. comes to see you and <laughs> we start talking about everything else. <laughs> I, I purposefully like block an extra half an hour after because I just know myself. <laughs> smart. Yeah. Smart. The first smart. few times I did it and I was like, that's not a good plan no, for no, you. It's really not. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like I, the funny thing is like when we first met, that was almost immediate. Like mm-hmm. work buddies, like right away. Like it was. We had our moments, yeah. right? Yeah. Or very early on. Yeah. But well, yeah. Yeah. That, that was, but see, that was before I dealt with my issues. Fair. <laughs> that, Fair. That was my conflict resolution skills were not <laughs> fantastic they weren't they no. weren't quite there no but no. they are now and they grew fast uh some people would argue that it wasn't fast well in my circumstances right. well that's just because like there are large blocks of time where you were somewhere else well, that's fair <laughs> <laughs> you're basically time traveling oh, you're right you're right you got me yeah but that's <laughs> like <laughs> so we have a habit of Getting off task and yeah. chatting and um, which is fun. Like, I like that we still are able to do that because that's so I just fuck my kid up on purpose. <laughs> so <laughs> listen, there was other ways. Yeah, yeah, you could have just came yourself. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. I suppose. I suppose. I suppose. <laughs> oh, that fun. would be weird, though, wouldn't it? I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't that would agree. Be weird. I yeah. Don't, yeah, I don't I've I don't had think. a few people ask me and I'm just like, ah, there's like a little bit. I get it because I want to well, see somebody I know, too. Yeah, but, but there's a conflict. Well, and it fucks up. It just fucks up boundaries because yeah. then like you feel like, well, yeah. I'm having a bad day. I'll just text her. No, 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 no. Or even like if we're together socially and it's like, you just know that I know things. Yeah. You know, like, but, so then it's. Well, that wouldn't bother me because you know all the things. Yeah, that's anyway. true. <laughs> and that's how I feel yeah, too. Like yeah. I, I, but yeah, it's a weird dynamic that I never, I've had a few people ask me and I'm just like, you know, yeah. I don't want to like jeopardize our friendship. Yeah. So. Yeah. I wouldn't like, yeah. I, and I think that's just for people who are somewhat sane, like that's just kind of like a, a somewhat. Ooh, are Saint, you? Are they in the room with us right Saint, now? Sane adjacent. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that, that I'll really accept that. Right, okay. yes, yes, like yes. if it's the Venn diagram yeah. of sane, they really only they're more tangents yeah. than overlap. Okay, I'll yeah. accept okay. that. Yeah. yeah, okay. That is just kind of like, yeah, that's probably just not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I I will say though, it's funny because I've been seeing my guy for six years now. Oh wow, and that's the awesome. Other, the other day he texted me, and I'm like, I feel weird. A little bit. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm cool with it because like I, I what I like is that he was comfortable enough knowing I'm not going to use that number. Right. I did tell him, I go, hey, I hope you enjoy all of your robocalls from political organizations now because I use your number to sign up for a bunch of mailing lists. You mofo. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was kind of because he, he jokingly, I was I had a really rough time, obviously, and we'll talk about a little bit of it later. But I had two deaths like boom, boom. Mm-hmm. So as I was leaving a session, he's like, I, I feel like I want to give you a hug. Is that weird? And I'm like, no, man, you're the second longest relationship I've ever had. <laughs> like, uh, like I, I, it would be weird if you didn't want to give me a hug, right. I think. Like, you're the only other person in charge of my emotional well-being besides me. <laughs> Ooh, no pressure, though. Yeah, I mean, hey, Yikes. That's, that's what you get paid for. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sack up. <laughs> it's time. Yeah. It's time. So that would be, yeah, it would be so weird. Yeah, it's like, and I always feel bad when that conversation happens because it's like, I get why you want to see somebody you know, because you're like, there's comfort, you know? Yeah. But it's always just like, oh, sorry. But I also feel like if they know you, it would yeah. be very easy for you to just be like, that is a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. And that's what I do. <laughs> I'm know, just like, like, Hey, I love you. And that's, that's the problem. Yep, that's that's the problem. Bad idea. It's <laughs> yeah. a bad idea for so many reasons. But and here's some good people I know that you will like. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That 100%. are not me. Yeah. And I trust them. And you're, you're very approachable too, which is probably perfect for what you do. So I could see people so. wanting to be like, yeah. you know, like, well, this is just way easier because it is scary to it's go scary. and try to find a new provider or yeah. a new, you know, it's like, it's it's one of the most stressful things in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, at least you're not like 
looking at their buttholes or nothing. Like, <laughs> well, you know? Oh, well then. I guess, just kidding. That's out of my scope. I mean, I guess technically you were a medical nurse before you're... Uh, <laughs> I'm still a nurse. Gotta yeah, have so, active yeah. license. Like, hey, uh, by the way, as long as you're here. I mean, health maintenance. Yeah, it's yeah, important. Just, yeah. Because I, I need for to make sure... Health. I need to make sure you're physically healthy. <laughs> but, but mental health is physical health. Yeah, yeah, I know. But also show me your bubble. Like, <laughs> I'm past those days. Thank God. Maybe in some past careers. Well, I also found out uh, at my physical that those things are not necessary anymore. No, there's other ways. I made the doctor high five me. (laughs) (laughs) Did they agree that that's not the way anymore? Yeah. The new doctor? Yeah. Like for several things, like colonoscopies are unnecessary. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. They they send a box to your house. Oh. You do some things at home and you send it back in. (laughs) That sounds way more fun. And then if it happens to come back weird, then you have the colonoscopy. That makes sense. So the getting put under, the whole invasive procedure, the unnecessary anesthesia, you don't have to do that unless it comes back weird. That is awesome. They argue that the colonoscopy is beneficial in that if there is something, they can just fix it right away while they're in there. But I'm like, nah. Mm, And then there's another exam that only men have to have. Uh, because women oh, don't have a prostate that they don't do anymore yeah. either. And yeah. I was like, that's the one that got the high five. I was like, so you're telling me <laughs> this has been not a thing for a long time? <laughs> did you talk about it? <laughs> yeah. I was like, dude. He's like, yeah, we don't do that unless there's symptoms. He's like, and usually you got to be way older. And I'm like, what the shit was going on before? <laughs> uh, that's a that's one to file away in the memory yeah, box. Yeah. Lock the key. Just go up, go ahead and hang your pants up there next to mine. <laughs> <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, that's called doctors that are not staying up to date with medicine. Right, and that's it. And that's what I told this guy because he's a resident. And I was like, I was kind of hoping to find a younger doctor, someone mm-hmm. that was a little more at the forefront of yeah. the, you know, like, what a wonderful time to be alive. <laughs> It's fair. Yeah, it's a lot less invasive time to be alive. Yeah, I'm sure everybody's super happy to hear about that. But I, I found it I found it very uh, relieving. Like, I'm no shit. My physical took 15 minutes and could have been done over the phone. Oh, that's amazing. He could have been like, push on your tummy. Does that hurt? No. All right, you're fine. <laughs> and how long have you been putting it off because you didn't want to deal with that? Uh, about, well, because I didn't want to deal with that, probably about six months. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other th- was just scheduling. Like, because, I mean, my old doctor I'd had for like 15 years. Yeah. Like, I'd known him for a long it's time. like he moved. He's gone. Yeah. So his, he had his practice. Yeah. And when COVID hit, the price of everything went up mm. and the insurance companies weren't reimbursing adequately. So he was like, I can go join this other practice where I don't have to administrate. I just have to practice medicine. Ugh. And I'm not responsible for all that stuff. And I can still be a doctor. So that's what he went to. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, no warning other than a letter. Oh. Yeah. So that kind of sucked. Especially when you haven't seen him (laughs) for a long time. Well, and I think had I been seeing him as regularly as I was supposed to be, Uh, I might have caught wind. That's fair. Yeah. But since I didn't. And I had been doing really well. I had been going every year. And then I basically skipped a year and it fucked me all up. So, But I was running out of meds. (laughs) So I was like, I need to go do this. Got to do this. Because there's one med that I'm on. If I miss a day, I get so dizzy Mm. that it's like uncomfortable like i had to leave work the other day because mm. i forgot and then go home really? and take it that and intense for oh yeah like wow. almost like vertigo not good yeah and like nauseous and dizzy i get nauseous because i'm dizzy and yeah not good. and then after about an hour after taking it i'm fine hmm. it's weird i don't know but that's are weird yeah a little <laughs> insight into everybody's life i guess there <laughs> i don't even know how this squirrel started that's exactly how it always happens I though i mean if you can trace it back it was not really off task to be. See, this is like my, that's what I do all day long. Like, it's so exhausting (laughs) because I'll be like, where did this conversation start and where do I need to go back to? Right. 
It's so hard. Well, and I like, I intend to take notes. Like I have an outline that I work from just mm-hmm. in case I get off. So I can always come back to questions, but like, I don't work from the outline. Yeah. And I intend to take notes like, hey, don't forget to do this. But then I get sidetracked from the notes. Yeah. So it's, it's silly. This is a problem in my job. Like I... I need to take notes, especially when I'm seeing somebody new. I'm like, oh, how do I remember all these details? But I can't. If I try to write or type while I'm seeing somebody, the connection with the person is totally gone. I feel like writing would seem less impersonal than typing. I think so, too. But I can't even do that. I I start every new patient appointment with a clipboard next to me. It's always blank. Like, literally always blank. (laughs) Except for a medication list. That's the only thing that's ever written on it. (laughs) It doesn't surprise me at all. It's the worst. What about recording them? Yeah, I've thought about some of the like AI stuff. Like there's um, medical dictation software, but yeah. I just haven't looked into it. I worry like privacy wise. I or, don't know. Or just audio recording. Like just have a little tape recorder. Yeah, maybe. I haven't thought about that. So folks, a tape recorder is an actual physical medium. <laughs> <laughs> the AI stuff would be nice because it'll transcribe it right. for me, right. which would be amazing. Yeah, and at least close enough that you could use it as note taking. Sometimes yeah. it gets it a little wrong, but yeah. you would kind of know what was right and what was wrong. I think. Yeah. yeah, I just haven't looked into it enough to know sure. if I feel comfortable with it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... The, the only real risk would be something cloud-based. Because, I mean, if it's yeah. just something installed on your computer that can do it on its own, then you wouldn't really have to worry about it. See, I get so paranoid. Like, this is, like, a, a totally unrealistic paranoia, but I'm just, like, I'm so protective. I don't want my people's information anywhere. And so I'm, like, what if somehow it's hacked and somebody has transcripts of all of our... That's the last thing they're going to want. Maybe. I don't know. What are they going to do with it? I have no idea, but I don't want them to have it. It's kind of like when they... I don't even know who them is. It's kind of like when they blur out a license plate on Google. It's like, what are they going to do with that information? I don't know. The license plate doesn't mean anything. But what if they have it? I don't want them to have it. Well, just don't tie anybody's name to it. I wonder if there's a way to do that because it'd be in my meta. It's in my medical record is why I'm like leery about it. Like you would insert it into that or you could like, because the thing is you could assign each client or patient or whatever you call them a number and then assign that number in the record. And then that number would be assigned to their name somewhere else. So it'd be in Hmm. two separate places. So even if they did get it, they'd have to like cross. They're not going to do that. They're looking for credit card numbers. I don't. And credit card numbers. That's that's all they're like. Credit card numbers and social security numbers. That's what they're. You you get their social security numbers, don't you? I do have that. Well, they can do a lot more with that than they can with uh, one time my uncle touched me or whatever. (laughs) You know, like honestly. But I don't want them to have any of it. But I'm just saying. I know. That's that's just. Yeah. I'm just paranoid. And I. Clearly. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but it's stupid because now I feel like I'm the old school doctor that's like, no technology. <laughs> Fuck that. Like, oh, the amount of hours I spend charting. Yeah, I bet it's. It's disgusting. I bet it's insane. It's disgusting. Yeah. It'd be a lot less if I charted while I was seeing somebody, but. Yeah, it'd be a lot less if you were less busy and not making any money. This is true. Another, another way to think about it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's part of the job. It is yeah. what it is. Yeah. And you're one of the few people who loves what they do. I do. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. It has its days, but it's awesome. I just, I was talking to my buddy Dave, who's going to be on an episode. And uh, I was like, dude, like, I can't imagine. Like, I, I'm so bitter towards people who love what they do. Like, I'm so, so bitter. And I don't know if it's like I'm jealous or if it's just hatred. Like, I don't know. <laughs> Those are way too different emotions. Um, I'm says you. <laughs> I mean, fair. They're very closely linked. They can go mind. together. Yeah. <laughs> Oh God! So okay, so we're back. Yeah, we're back in raining it in. Floyd, we're yeah. In, or let's uh, unless we're missing something, let's put you in high school. Okay. Yeah. So in high school, who were you in high school? What Ooh. was your thing? I was not a great student. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think that's kind of where the wheels fell off the bus a little bit for yeah. me. 
it's kind of a miracle I graduated. Hallelujah, they let me graduate uh, early. Otherwise, I would be a high school dropout. Okay. So, yeah, I partied a lot in high school. Um, my brother's five years older than me. I won't pin it all on my brother, but we I hung out with a lot of his friends and, yeah, started partying, drinking, doing all the things. So was that the, was that the main thing or were you, like, was school difficult for you? No, it was so easy. Yeah. And I was super bored. Mm. So it was, like, one of those where I showed up, like, one or two times a week and I was fine. So wow. it's like, why do I even show up? It's so, hard to be motivated. So were your so were your grades still okay? Mm-hmm. It's just your attendance was bad? Yeah, I was never there. I never so, wanted to go. See, and that's whack. That's so whack to put me in my age group. That's whack, man. That's whack. That's so whack. <laughs> uh, because it's like, okay, look, if your grades are good, what does it matter if you're there? I know. That's how I felt. I mean, really. School district did not feel the same right, way. Right, <laughs> right. They have a minimum hourly requirement that yeah. you need to be. But, but in the grand scheme of things, if you really think about it, if you have two things that it's one or the other. Wouldn't you rather the grades were good than the attendance be good? Yeah. I you mean, would think. You would you would think. <laughs> and if I was like in the school now, like with the policies they have now, they would have I don't know, my parents would have been in trouble for truancy. Like now it's so serious now. Like I deal with this uh, with people I see. It's like you miss one or two days a week and they're like you're having this huge meeting with all the at-risk people and maybe that's good. Maybe that would have been helpful for me, but if it yeah, it's bad. We got a letter because the girls had influenza and were out for three days. Exactly. And like, like it's so excessive now. I mean, like if I was in school now, I I don't know. I think they would have kicked me out. They would have been like, <laughs> You're just you're never here, you need to not come. Which is also funny because it's like, hey, you know what your punishment for not being here is? We're you're kicking gone. you out. <laughs> I used to get these suspensions. I was like, What is this? Why? Right. You're mad I'm never here. And then when I show up, you put me in suspension. Why would I come? <laughs> it, doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't make any it's sense. It's like, hey, you know you keep punching that kid in your homeroom? <laughs> Fight club. <laughs> we're just, Get in yeah, there. We're just going to punch you right in the goddamn face. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, this doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, school, yeah. School was weird. I didn't love it. It wasn't great for, I just, I don't know. I hung out with a lot older people. Yeah. I just didn't want to be there. None of my friends were there. So did you have any, any hobbies or was partying your hobby? It was pretty, well, I guess I should say that was like later in high school. When I first started high school, I was like in orchestra. Hmm. I was on swim team, but I pretty much just dropped all that and started partying. You can't really do both. Pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Five AM swim team when you're hungover. It's not a. I'm telling you, not the, a vibe. The the CW tells me different. Mm. Like it tells me all those high school shows starring thirty year olds. Yeah. They, they can party and they can be vampires. Well, good. I'm so <laughs> glad for them. I'm glad somebody can. I could not. And I was working, so I was like, I need to. I don't know how to juggle all these things. What'd so. you do for a job in high school? I worked at my dad's gas station. Weak. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. We had a lot of fun. I didn't maybe so much love it then because working for your parent is kind of weird sometimes. Right. But yeah. Real hard to get fired though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me. I know. Because <laughs> they're like, fuck, we really need the help. And she's our kid. She's going to be around yeah. anyway. But. She's really good at her job here, but she's never here. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds... I always went to work. Maybe not always to school, but I was always right. going to go to my job until like later, right before I was about to be moving and quitting. Then I was kind of bad on my attendance, but until that point. So did you what? Like, what did you want to do when you're in high school? Like, what was your like? Even even if you were like partying and stuff, like, did you have motivation? Was there something you wanted to do? I think I would have been happy being complacent and staying in my hometown and just working at my dad's gas station forever. What I like had no, I got pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was already, I guess I'd already moved at that point and I was like, 
that's just like the path, you know, everybody's like, you got to go to college. So Mm -hmm. I was like, I got to do that too. Sounds good. So I got accepted to UNI and moved to Cedar Falls and then got pregnant like six months later. So So, you you had already decided to go to college before you got pregnant. Yeah, but not like I didn't feel I was not interested in anything. I was going for social work at one. I started with early childhood elementary. Absolutely not. And then social work, which tracks. Yeah. Also, they're kind of the same thing anymore. (laughs) For real. But I never ended up. I didn't graduate from UNI. But yeah, I didn't feel any like. I was just doing it because it was what you're supposed to do, you and, know. And so, for those people that don't know, don't know, you and I is the University of Northern Iowa. It started out as the Iowa Teachers School or something in like the early 1900s, and now it's basically the the school in Iowa that you go to if you want to be a teacher. Still, yeah. Which so why did I, why I ended up there? Yeah, just because it's close. Yeah, <laughs> that's yep. the only reason. Well, it's in a lot of people that's it's the it's the smallest of the three state schools. Yeah, and it's noticeably smaller. Yeah, and in this area, it's it's close to everything. So a lot of people, and it's a suitcase college, like a lot of kids go there during the week, go home on the weekends. Uh, they don't stay during the summer. The whole town dies. Cedar mm-hmm. Falls, like they, they half their population in the summer. All the businesses on the, the hill, which is like the college business area, they all just dry up in mm-hmm. the summer. So it's it's a it's a definitely a different environment than Iowa or Iowa State. Yeah. And and I think it is a lot of people like they're just kinda like, eh. It's the catch all. Yeah. We'll just go here. Yeah. I'm kinda surprised you didn't end up at Nyack. Yeah, I did apply yeah. there and I had so that was my options. I had Iowa. I was accepted to Iowa and you and I, Nyack. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know. So you were accepted to Iowa. Yeah. So I I feel like I feel like you are telling us a little different story about your high school experience because you can't just great, get into Iowa. I had good grades. I mean, I had great grades. I semester I graduated a semester early because I knew I was going to fail out, like just because of my attendance yeah. if I kept going. So you would have had to have taken the ACT. Mm-hmm. How'd you do on that? Hungover ass. Really? Fuck. You oh, must have done really bad. well on it. I don't remember. I think I did. I mean, I must have done. You decent, must have. I mean, because like. I hate the University of Iowa, and I've never hidden that. Like, I'm a cyclone. I went to Iowa State. I graduated from Iowa State. But the University of Iowa is kind of a big deal. I mean, like, you can't just get into Iowa. Yeah. I mean, mean, you kind of have to test in. However, did you know it's easier to test out of, like, AP biology at Iowa than it is AP biology at Iowa State? And Iowa's... The medical school. That seems that seems backwards. <laughs> yeah, it's very backwards. When you yes. take the AP test, well, at least it was twenty five years ago. <laughs> when you took the AP test, you had to have a minimum score to test out. And like, yeah, I mean, I didn't test out for either of them <laughs> because AP was not my thing. Like, I was a really good student, but like, if I had to take anything that was considered further ahead than I was supposed to be, I didn't do well. It was really bizarre. Like, that is weird. But like, yeah, I mean, mostly straight A's until mm-hmm. like I started, they skipped me a year ahead in math and then I took AP bio and I did not do well in either mm-hmm. class. It's very weird. Mental block. Maybe. Or I mean, I'm also math tarded. Like I am not good at math <laughs> at I all. I feel you. Yeah. The math is not, it's always when the girls are like, dad, I have homework. Can you help me? Like, is it math? Mm. Yeah, mama, help you. Like, I just, I don't want to screw them up. And yeah. their math is so different now. It's so different. Like, it's, it's so hard to help them. They make it so much harder because it's, so it's not logical. It's yeah. creative, you know? So, like, to think about numbers in a non logical way is really not the way to do it. Like, it's very confusing. Somebody sold the education system a bill of goods. And here we are. Yep. Here's our program that we just made up. It's way better. Okay. And none well, of your we'll parents can help yeah. you. Good yeah. luck. It's like, no, just take the numbers. And put them together 
and make more numbers. Don't clap and jump and like it's all kinds of weird shit. My daughter tries to like talk me through her thought because I'm always like, if you're struggling with something, like talk me through your thought process right. so I can help talk you through it a different way. And she'll talk me through it for math, and I'm just like, what are you talking mm -hmm. about? You end up more confused than when you went in. I have no yeah. like. Let's just stop that thought process entirely. Right. <laughs> Here's mine. Take what you can from it. I'm sorry. Good luck. I'll get you a tutor. Because <laughs> I can do that now. I own my own business. I mean, they offer it for free. Shit. Oh, oh well, then. Don't, don't let me forget my humble roots now. So you get to you and I. Yes. Uh, you get pregnant. Thank God. And, and basically, it changes your life for the positive. 100%. So you're pregnant. And, you know, like most people understand the science behind this. Nine months <laughs> later, a baby comes. What? So you were in school at the time. Mm -hmm. So what did you do? What did you do when you found out you were pregnant? Like, So I, it didn't feel like a good thing at the time. Sure, sure. I was like, oh, fuck. This yep. is so bad. Yeah. So I was kind of just like floating directionless up until that point. And I was like, okay, now I need to get my shit together and figure out what I'm doing. Were you working? Yeah. I was working work? at Texas Roadhouse as a waitress. Hated that job so much. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> the little dances you have to do. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. And then I was also working as a um, support professional for like group home individuals. Oh, sure. So sure. that kind of like guided me into the medical field because I was like, oh, honestly, this is so awful. But I was like, these nurses are making good money. Maybe I could be a nurse. Well, and then later I was like, I kind of like helping people. Well, nursing's the new hairdresser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it really is. Like It is. I mean, luckily you get phased out of nursing a lot easier than I think being a hairdresser. Yes. So like a lot of people go into it because they don't know what else to do, but then they don't make it. Right. Some of them sneak through. That shouldn't have made it. They do. But, you and know. we all have met them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes over and over and over. But it's so hard. Like, I don't, you don't last in the healthcare industry if you don't like what you're doing because yeah. it's awful and yeah. you don't get paid enough for the shit you deal with. Right. Right. So. Sometimes literally the shit you do. Literally. <laughs> Not sometimes. Most of the time. Sometimes. In wherever you're working. Right. <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. So did the change come for you after you had your daughter or no, before? The day I found out I was pregnant, I was like, yeah. I got to get my shit together because wow. I'm about to have a little person, you know, right. and I'm clearly what I've been doing is not going to be enough to provide for her. So right. I got my CNA. I can't remember if I got that before I was had her or not, but I kind of like pivoted my whole path to healthcare after I found out I was pregnant. So I got my CNA, went to Hawkeye. I think I had it before I was done, before I had her. And then started like working healthcare jobs. And then I was like, oh, I actually like, like this. I feel like I'm good at it. Like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Did you jump straight to your RN or did you do LPN first? I did my LPN. Did you? So I did like CNA. I worked for a little bit. Then I went back for my LPN, got that at Hawkeye, worked for a little bit. And then got my RN. Like every time, every stop I made, I like worked for a little bit to sure. be like, do I actually like this? Right. Do Which I really want to go on? Yeah. yeah. So, it served me so well. And for people who don't know, explain CNA, LPN, RN. Yeah. So CNA is a nurse assistant. So that's like um, the beginning steps, I would say, for a healthcare career. Bed, um, bedpans and the dirty yeah. jobs. Yeah. Yeah. You're like the patient, you're the direct patient care. So, right. and then LPN is a licensed practical nurse. So that, you're a nurse. There's like lots of hot debate in the nursing world, whether that's a real nurse or not, but <laughs> well, you can dispense definitely are. meds. Yep, you can, you can do, administer yeah. meds. You can do treatments. You can have a caseload of patients. It doesn't, I would say the training doesn't come as with as much of like the critical thinking and as right. the RN does, but I've also worked with LPNs that know 
Way more than ours. Way more. Yeah. 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 So it just depends on yeah. the person. In the, in my many travels throughout life, and I've had many of them in these 45 years, mm-hmm. I've met some RNs that were dumber than a bag of hair. 100%. And some LPNs that are sharp. Yeah. You know. Um, oh, yeah. That are damn near doctors. You For know? real. So like those letters, whenever somebody tells you, go get letters after your name. Like, doesn't it, matter. No, it doesn't. It doesn't I mean, matter. for pay. For sure. For and pay. job opportunity. Yeah. Where and, you can work. And the things that you're allowed to do, I suppose. Because yeah. like- uh, LPNs can give shots and stuff, right? Yeah, but you can't they, do like anything IV right, when right. you're not uh, LPN, right? And you can't really work in the hospital setting. I mean, they kind of are changing that now, but it's different. Yeah, yeah. So then an RN is like the RN kind of runs the show. Yeah, yeah. That's like definitely like you are. So one of the big difference between those two is like LPN, you can't do a certain level of assessment because of the like critical thinking aspect behind it because sure. you're just not taught all that right. pathophysiology. So then the RN, yeah, it's like, I feel like the difference between the two is you have a lot more critical thinking and assessment skills. So kind of like difference between EMT and paramedic. Yeah, kind of. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's so, a good comparison. So then you go, you're an RN for a while, yeah. really, for quite a while, a few years, yeah. right? And then you decide, I'm going to pull the trigger on this thing. Yeah. Like, I'm going to go the whole distance. I'm basically going to be better than a doctor. <laughs> I mean, basically, just yeah. take that word out. Yeah. I'm yeah. biased, clearly. Well, and you know what's it's, it's, nurse it's crazy? Yeah. So you're a nurse practitioner, and like that is something no one heard of 20 years ago. Yeah, it really took off. PAs and NPs. Yeah. Like it was not a thing. And now they've basically taken over healthcare. As we should. You know, <laughs> because it's not unheard of to go to like urgent care or something, never see a doctor. Mm-hmm. You'll see a PA, yeah. you know, and they can do. Pretty much everything a doctor can do. Especially when it comes to psychiatry, like we have the same. And I don't want to insult any psychiatrists out there because they do get a different level of training, but like we have the same scope of practice. So yeah, we're equals. And and I think almost psychiatry, like psychiatrists are almost being phased out. Yeah. It's a lot harder to find. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, I I haven't seen a psychiatrist since I was 14. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't even know where to find one. Especially in our area. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty like, few and far between. I mean, I see my therapist for my, my feelings, and then I see my doctor for my meds, mm-hmm. you know? And, I mean, I'm in a weird place, though, because I'm educated enough in mental health that I can tell my GP, like, hey, here's what's going on. Here's what my therapist told me. Here's what we think is going on, mm-hmm. as opposed to having to go to a psychiatrist and have the psychiatrist explain it to me and then explain right. it to, you know what I mean? And then, it's a different. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm lucky there. And so far it's worked. <laughs> I mean, you know. So well, let far. me know if it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and that's, it was funny because I went to my physical, they're like, so you're on these medications. Do you think that they need to be, like, don't touch them. <laughs> they're don't working. Don't you fucking touch them. <laughs> these medications keep everyone else alive. <laughs> When you find the happy medium, it's like, yeah, no, yeah. we're not doing anything. I don't. I don't. And, and I'm like, I'm super pro medic. You know, you know how I feel about this. Yeah. But like, I'm super pro medication, but I'm also very anti over medicating and like, sure. like behavior modification goes along with the medication because the medication is just there to take the edge off. You yeah. Know? You need so, both. So like I can recognize that. And so I feel like I'm not abusing the system by using my training experience to say, hey, here's where I'm at. Here's what I, I, how I feel. I think the meds can stay or I think I need more or less, you know, because then I'm going, okay, well, the meds aren't going to fix everything. Clearly. Clearly. I love, I love that sentence because, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, times I have for. to say that. They're a tool. They're a tool. They're a tool. Like the tools can't... work better together. Yep. Yeah. One by themselves doesn't work as good usually. Yeah. Like I don't care how awesome of a 
cordless drill you have. Yeah. If you don't know what a screw is, you're fucked. Right. <laughs> you or know? what if you don't have the charger? Right. Yes. It's real bad. Exactly. That's a really good analogy because <laughs> I'm tired all the fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so you go and you, you get your nurse practitioner. That took a while. Right? So I stopped. I had a stop and grab in between. I got my bachelor's. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. There's yeah, definitely like a lot simpler tracks. You can have programs where you just go from like nothing to bachelor's. And that right. would have been a lot simpler. Right, but right. I was like, let's do this the hard way. Yeah. Well, more that I, I think more to your credit mm-hmm. that you wanted to make sure it was the right path yeah. for you. You know, I mean, yeah. it, it makes sense. A lot of people do jump feet first into something and then they end up in a career that is not right for them. But yeah. the, and then they have no other skills. And you got all this debt and yep. years invested into it. And you're yep. like, well, you're trapped. This is what I'm doing. Yep. And so then you're not as good at the thing. Whereas right. the whole way through, you were assessing like, okay, I-, I like this part of it. I don't like working for other people. <laughs> like, it took me a long time to figure that out. I, it, it probably took you longer to figure it out than everyone else around you. Yeah, <laughs> true. The amount of times people have told me. <laughs> like, yeah, if everybody else is dumb. <laughs> Might be time for you to work for yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I should have figured that out a yeah, long time ago. I wish I could find a way to do that. <laughs> uh, so, but so, and it was it was kind of fun watching you through the process because it was like you were constantly moving forward, which is a very humans don't do that. You know, true. So it's I, very easy to get stagnant. Yeah, yeah, and you and you were constantly doing that. And a lot of the conversations you and I would have over the years was about like, what's next? What mm-hmm. do I do to change this? What do I do to to feel more fulfilled? Like you were constantly looking ahead and that's pretty admirable like and it's the right thing the right way to do things you know and so watching you through that process was really neat love that it's it's and that's why like i said earlier i'm so proud of you is because i got to watch you from like being this a little dumbass nurse yeah, yeah, little, little, that didn't know yeah, anything nothing. You and can then say it's like it. yeah well but i mean that's is and that's <laughs> yeah. how you like that's how you have to start yeah you know? because and i was if you go in thinking you know everything which you were a lot more um not timid but like you weren't as assertive oh and, like, for sure or, you know and then you grew as you grew it was like really fucking cool to see and you don't see that very often just in general because most people humans are dumb and they're bad at humaning yeah. and like the, they'll get frustrated with something or they won't know everything. And then that'll torpedo like their then growth. And, yeah. yeah. So watching it was really cool. So, and I totally forgot the step of the bachelors because I saw that happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, So you get, it was bachelors. kind of like a weird little, like it didn't do it. It didn't change anything. You know, it was just the next step. But, but. again, it's, you know, a bachelor's of nursing is mm-hmm. different than a bachelor's of arts. Like yeah. it gives you way more opportunities yeah. than getting just a bachelor of arts degree would like comparatively. Like it's weird. The medical field is so different. It is. Y- you know, if you get an AA and anything else, it's like, yeah, great job. You settled, <laughs> you know, but if like you get a two year degree in nursing, that's on its way to something else, yeah. you know? Yeah. So when you hear someone has the, is a, is a, what is it? A BSN? BSN. Yeah. Like you're like, oh shit. It's it kind deal. of like leads you into a leadership path though, right. which like is good, but in my for me, it was like not – I felt like I almost educated myself out of what I wanted. I didn't want to be – I could be leadership while still doing hands-on stuff, but I didn't want to manage people. Right. That was not – and I feel like that's what – when you get your BSN, it's like, oh, I want to be a director of nursing or something along those lines. And I was like, oh, that's what did I do? super right-brained though. Like, yeah. And that's not where you live, homie. <laughs> not even a little <laughs> no, bit. No, no. Like it's – It's bad. It's very, very numbers and, yeah. and, and people management and like – left brain is obviously like like if people knew you like they'd be like no that's and as a left brain person like what you're doing now is pretty perfect like you're it, able to toes the line between both yeah yeah I, and but you're also able to work at your pace 
and design your structure, which left brain people, that's very important to them. Cause mm-hmm. if they have to live in someone else's structure, it's a, it's a recipe for disaster. Yep. Relatable. Yep. <laughs> Been there. <laughs> so you get your BSN mm-hmm. and then you're like, okay, I've decided this is not what I want to do as far as this being my, my role. Let's do something crazy. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it happened. Yeah. <laughs> I literally decided like one night and enrolled the next day. I'm yeah. not even kidding. It was so impulsive. <laughs> there was not a whole lot of forethought. Because really the next step past NP is a doctorate of nursing, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. really. Yep. So maybe someday, huh? Yeah, doubtful. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm why? So, so pa- yeah, there's really why? no point. Why? Like, if you have your own practice, it there's makes no, no point. sense. Yeah. So, so you get your NP, your nurse practitioner, and your focus being... Psychi- psychology, right? Like psychiatry. psychiatry. Psychi- yeah. What's the difference between those two things? So I wish like I, there's a good, great science difference, but like in the hands-on world, it's like they, psychologists can do more testing and like diagnosing. Okay. Psychiatry feels like it's more of the hands-on people work. This is just my rudimentary difference <laughs> in my brain. But yeah, like psychologists do a lot more of like the in-depth testing to diagnose. Okay. And I, for me... I don't like diagnosis in well, general. So ology is the study of. Yeah. So that's a good way to put it because it's I just feel like they're more hands off. I'm probably super offending a lot of psychologists. Is it more right of now, a research? Kind of. More of a research job, psychology? I mean, they work hands on with people though too, but it's just more of the clinical diagnosis testing. So diagnostics, maybe a little uh, academic. Yes, that's a, a good bit. way to word okay. it. Yes. So, yes. It, I mean, anytime you throw ology on something, yeah. it, somebody's wearing a, a tweed, tweed jacket. Yeah, with, <laughs> that's exactly right. With the leather patches. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Same, same level. Psychiatrists, they're probably smoking a pipe. One of the, you know, whatever. Well. <laughs> so you, you get your MP. And you're still working for other people at that point, kind of trying to find where you're going to land. Yeah. I worked in a lot of different settings throughout nursing and while I was getting my NP because I feel like I was kind of testing the waters everywhere of mental health is huge. Like you can work Mm. anything in mental health. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what do I want to do with this? (laughs) You know, I I need to focus it down even more. Well, like, so you worked in hospital setting. Mm -hmm. You worked in like corrections. Mm -hmm. Because at one point, didn't you even like apply for like the director of nursing at like the prep, the prison? Yeah. And I got offered it, but I didn't take it. That's like probably a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It would have been interesting, but yeah, it would have. I'm not a leadership person in that role. And it's a very limiting, you know, role. I would have probably. And then it came with all those like crazy benefits. So I probably would have I mean, I say I would have stayed there, but knowing myself, I would have just dipped on out if I didn't like it. Yeah. But it would have been harder to leave yeah. all that yeah. stuff. Again, working for yourself, you get to see what you want to see. Yeah. You know, and the, and there you would – government limitations yeah. and all kinds of different stuff. And, and you're seeing a very small cross-section of society. And, yeah. You know, so I, I think probably that makes sense for growth that you didn't yeah. take that, you know. I'm glad. Because I would have moved there too. So like, yeah, I, it, my trajectory, that was really like pivotal – when I didn't take that because uh, it would have changed a lot. I would have moved to Iowa City and right, yeah. Well, and I like I had totally forgotten about that until yeah. right now, and I was like, oh yeah, there's that time. There's oh, a lot shit. of weird stuff in my yeah. work history. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of taking that job, I took a community based nursing job where I like working in the community. Oh, um, I forgot about that homes. too. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, That's yeah, like yeah. my favorite one. Yeah. I well, I don't know. They're all my favorites, yeah. but that definitely was like my 
landing board into getting my nurse practitioner, I would say. Well, and the nice thing too, is some of the places that you worked and some <laughs> of the places that you worked for allowed you to go, I know what I'm never going to do. Yeah, you know, a lot like, of them. Yeah. Like I'm never going to do that. I'm never so going to treat people like that. I'm yes. never going to treat patients like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the goal has to be wellness, not, uh, money. You yeah. Know? Like, or like furthering whatever crisis they're already in right. with our actions. Like, right. <laughs> that was a very common theme in a lot of the places I worked. Yeah. Which is insane. Like Insane. That's it, literally the opposite of what we're here to do. You know, the, the, the bad thing is if you don't have the right people running a healthcare system that is for profit, it's going to be a disaster. 100%. I mean, clearly your healthcare system, your practice is for profit. Yeah. I mean, it's you're, you're making money. It's the nature of yeah, my yeah, job. Like yeah. It's, it's, it's your I job. I like to get paid. Yeah. <laughs> but because you're, you have the best interest of your people mm -hmm. in mind, that's very different than a, a for profit. Like, I feel like one of the worst things that we in the area and people bag on like county hospitals and stuff, mm -hmm. but one of the worst things we have are all of our hospitals are for profit. 100%. So they're based on revenue and liability. So like that word, mm. they don't want people there that are going to be a liability, which is insane because it's like, or you could just give them the care they need. And maybe they wouldn't be, <laughs> a, be a liability anymore. anymore right? That's crazy. Yeah. That's so, a weird thought process. Like, I, <laughs> like I've heard through like, you know, Joe and Jesse who've been on the show. Like I've heard stories about doctors that will refer patients out because they're afraid the patient's going to sue them. Rather than giving them care or, or putting a limit on the care. Be like, no, you don't need this care. Instead, they'll refer them out and be like, well, go get a second opinion over here or go get. And, and then it's like, well, if you would just have confidence in your ability to treat somebody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've talked about the company that I work for when they brought in their, their employee wellness program and sent me to all these trainings so I could train our people and stuff. You know, like I had to say, look, man, like I'm going to have to assess people for suicide and there's going to be times when I'm just going to be like, they're fine. They don't need, this is not what you think it is. Mm -hmm. I have to be confident in my skill set because yeah, there is a liability. They could walk out of that building tomorrow and kill themselves. Absolutely. And that sucks. But at the same time, I have to be confident enough to not be afraid every time somebody approaches me and says, Hey, we go talk to uh, the person in accounting because we think they might be suicidal. And then I'm like, they are not suicidal. Mm -hmm. Like they're just sad right. and we can get them the help they need, but that's all we're going to do. We're not going to go lock them up in a building because I trust in my ability. Then you have these doctors that are just like, but they might sue me if something goes wrong, then make sure something doesn't go wrong. Like I trust can't. your, trust your assessment. Right. No, that guy doesn't have a rotator cuff tear. He hasn't done anything physical in the last two years. Like nothing is bad. Like he just wants attention, you know, or whatever, or, or pain medication or whatever. Like just trust in your ability. And yeah, you can't practice medicine from that. Like, from fear. Yeah. Cause it's <laughs> yeah. just like, you're never going to be, you're never going to meet that person's needs. If you're just terrified with everything that you're doing. Well, it's like anything you prescribe, they could have an allergic reaction to like, yeah. you can't be it can terrified. It always be something them. that yeah. is going to go wrong yeah. in any situation. Like, right. yeah, you have to be confident in your ability. So it's like, it's just insane. You know, you, you see. And so like we have these for-profit hospitals that don't want to treat appropriately or don't want to treat at all. And it's like, ah, dumb. Like dumb. so dumb. So, and I don't remember how we got there, but, <laughs> but like it's, it's, fr it's frustrating. So uh, circling back, I guess the, the point is like your goal is to treat the person. 100%. You know, um, yeah. And even like it, 
it puts me in kind of a weird situation sometimes because when I decided to go private practice, which like even saying that makes me want to throw up a little bit. Like I hate those words and I don't view myself (laughs) that way, but I, that is what I am. Is that it? That's what I'm doing. Um, But I was like, I don't want to, it's pretty easy to go private practice and be like, okay, I'm going to only treat the people that are going to be easy. Mm, easy yeah. or reimburse very highly or little work for a lot of income right. and it's just like okay that just furthers this problem like right. you have all these practitioners that will go private and only accept the highest paying insurances and so then where all, where do all these other people go right right and i and i know that you see people from every part of society like you have, you have everybody from the the forgotten people all the way up through my favorites. Yep, yep. Those are your those are your friends. <laughs> yeah, you always call them your my friends. friends. Yeah, those are my friends. You know, and and you are really good at no judgment. This is this is who I'm treating these people because they're people and they need they need treated. Yeah, and you're right. Like you could go and say I'm only going to treat soccer moms with benzo addictions yeah. <laughs> you know with like, high paying insurance yeah with high paying insurance it's pretty uncommon for private practice to take medicaid and that's yeah. part that's a huge part of the problem and honestly i got to a point where i was almost like i don't want to take medicaid because it took them so long to reimburse me right so it's like i get it but that just perpetuates the problem right. those are usually the people that need care the most and then they become a drain on society because yeah. they're not getting the care that they need right and it's a cycle. And their and, options yeah. are so limited right. because – and then the options they do have are these way overwhelmed institutions that don't – how could they ever keep up right. with that demand? Well, and, and you know, f- from your previous employment of being in corrections and stuff, you had a built-in base. Yeah. People that are comfortable seeing you that may not have otherwise accepted treatment. Sure. You know, so yeah. I mean that's that's pretty valuable, especially because of some of the new treatments that you're that you're doing. Yeah. Like with the ketamine treatment and and like doing some like pretty groundbreaking stuff. So like that's Scary. that's gotta be exciting for you. You know, it it's is. like not just business as usual. Yeah. If you're not if you're doing stuff that's different than what other people are doing, it allows you to stay motivated and stimulated. That's huge for me. And I still kind of struggle because it's like, I'm not a desk job person. Right. And I kind of like educated myself into a desk job and I was like, oh, this is bad news bears. (laughs) So even like when I first started my practice, I was like, oh no, I cannot do this for eight to nine hours a day. Like just sitting at a desk. Right. So yeah, I incorporate some of those other things and it helps. And I think we kind of touched on it before. So like the difference with nurse practitioner is you can prescribe medication, Mm -hmm. you can do all the, the normal therapy, talk therapy, all that stuff, and you can prescribe and diagnose. Yep. Right. So, sure. so you're basically, you're basically, all jokes aside, you're basically a doctor. I mean, basically. In psychiatry, I mean, we yeah. have the same. So, yeah. I mean, there's really, there's really not a differentiation. Doctors so pe- definitely have more education than us, I will say. That does not make them smarter or, no, or it more doesn't. qualified. It doesn't. I will, like, and I've worked with great nurse practitioners. I've worked with terrible ones. I've mm. worked with great doctors and terrible ones. Right. I think the difference with a nurse practitioner versus a doctor is you have to be a nurse first. And, like, nurses are the shit, yeah. obviously, but well, also, like, we know how to talk to people. And they do the heavy lifting, like, honestly. Yeah, we like, do the hands-on stuff. Yeah. Like, it, the difference in a bedside manner between a nurse practitioner and a doctor is, like... Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> it's night and day. I feel like some of the younger doctors that are coming through are starting to try to be more personable. Yeah, definitely. That's there's a long way to go for that. And know? there's great ones, like just in every field, you know, but it's just it's you come from a totally different perspective. When you're already a nurse, you already know how to treat a patient like a person. Because right. we deal 
the doctors are the ones giving the orders. We're the ones executing them and dealing with the person all day, every day. You spend more time with them. Yeah. I mean, so much time. You can't just be all clinical, all business if you're going to sit and talk to somebody. Like it doesn't work. Right. Yeah. So I touched a little bit on like, I'm fascinated with this ketamine thing, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you say ketamine, they're like, that's a horse tranquilizer, yeah. right? You know, the old, the, or like, the, that's surgery. Yeah, what are you? The line from uh, Armageddon. <laughs> like, uh, we tested uh, positive. Some of these guys tested positive for ketamine. That's a horse tranquilizer. Well, some of these are pretty big guys, you know, but kind of talk to people about like what the thought process is, like what that treatment is doing for people. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm not going to lie. I was like really scared when we first started it because okay. it's like, it's new. It kind of, um, so Spravato is what we do. It's the nasal, um, version of ketamine. And so it's the only FDA approved version of it. And it came out like during COVID. So it was scary to do it myself because it was like, it came out during a time where we weren't hands-on with healthcare. So it's like, mm, is this, do I trust this? <laughs> and also I'm just like a skeptic by nature. So I was like, mm, is this Invermectin? I don't know how I feel. <laughs> is this a Joe Rogan thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love Joe Rogan, though. So if it was, I would probably feel better. Oh, he's such an idiot, though. <laughs> I love like, him. He's so entertaining. I literally listened to him on my drive here. Oh, God. I like Again, that's that bitterness thing, though, too. Like, Fair. the guy's a like, billionaire yeah. doing this. What you want to do. this. Yeah. yeah, it's insane. But uh, also, sometimes he needs to shut up. He doesn't always stay in his lane. <laughs> no. And sometimes when he talks about mental health shit, I'm like, don't. I love you. Please stop. Well, and the, and the worst part is like he won't just let his guests talk. Sometimes. Like he brings in experts yeah. and he either wants to argue with them. Which I love that. It's it, fun. It, it It's from an entertainment standpoint, but from a like, dude, these people have something to say standpoint. Yeah. It's like, shut the fuck up, Joe. Yeah. Go kick a bag and do an ice bath and <laughs> eat smell card or something. Like just <laughs> like, yeah, stay in your uh, lane. <laughs> like, listen. I love him. Though. Just listen. I don't feel like he listens, and that's a huge thing. I think in some of them. I don't know. There's some definitely where I'm like, oh, but. I think if it's interesting to him, he'll listen. Maybe. But if if it's he's just having somebody on to have somebody on, I think he likes to talk over them. He has a, um, I can't remember, I, wish, I feel like an asshole that I don't remember the name. I was just listening to it, but it's like a guy that works with wrongfully incarcerated and he has him on like twice a year and I was listening to it. It's like my, whenever I see him as a guest, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm going to cry and I'm going to listen to this immediately. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. He definitely has found a, like he, he found his moment and he yeah grabbed it. Like, I mean, this is a guy that used to host a show about people eating worms. I know. Yeah. It's insane. Like it's just nuts. Sorry, but I digress. Oh yes. Yeah. Um, so Spravato. Right. <laughs> Circling back. I tracked it back. Um, so, yeah, when we were first, so it's me and another nurse practitioner. We're not like we have our own practices, but we share space and she's wonderful. I would definitely, she balances out my particular breed of crazy. So, thank God. <laughs> she keeps Cassandra in check. Yes. It's a hard job. Shout out Neelam. God bless. Um, so, when we were talking about like, should we offer this? It's like no other clinics in town are doing it in a clinic setting. So I was like, it's a need that's not being met. And that's like pretty big for me in every area of healthcare I've worked in is like, let's not reinvent the wheel. So if things are already being met and it's going great, awesome, but there's tons of gaps of care. So like where, what can we fill? So right now you could do it in a pharmacy setting or a hospital setting. And so I was like, that to me just feels awful. Yeah. (laughs) If I'm thinking about it, it's like, if you're going to be under the influence of ketamine, which is going to make you a little sedated and dissociate a little bit. Like, why would you want to be around other people? I just, right. that sounds awful to yeah. me. And yeah. so overstimulating and scary. And I, I mean, it must not be that awful of an experience because people do it, but it just didn't sound fun to me. So how do you, like, how did you 
learn? Do you have to become certified in this particular thing, I, or how did you learn? Yeah, your clinic has to be. So it's a part of a monitoring program um, through the FDA. I think it's through the FDA through somebody, some <laughs> regulating agency. Um, so somebody else is clearly uh, <laughs> submitting the paperwork. On no, this. it's me. <laughs> oh no, it's only me. I'm the only one. <laughs> well, the other, the other gal. Yeah, but we have separate practices, so oh, we, we oh. have to do all I, our own. I thought maybe she was helping you with no, yours with your no. paperwork. We were really just like uh, support for each other. Like, oh, okay. should we do this? Yeah, <laughs> should we do? This? We're gonna do this, right? It's gonna be fine. So, are you like, are you part of a study? No. Um. So the monitoring program, it's called REMS, and it's like you can have a REMS for there's REMS for other medicines too. It's like just a risk evaluation mitigation strategy. That's the definition. Um, like if there's a specific risk for a medication, you have to submit data or be adhere to certain standards to show that you're mitigating that risk. Okay. So for Spervato, it's um, diversion, like because it's a very addictive substance. So basically, you have to register your clinic and adhere to all these standards and submit paperwork about what happens to the patients while they're there. So the what is the what is the goal? Like, what is it treating? Yeah, so it's only approved for treatment-resistant depression. So people that have tried and failed, like, standard modes of treatment of depression, like our SSRIs and all that good stuff. Those which, are delicious. <laughs> I feel like this is weird to say as a prescriber, but I don't feel super confident in SSRIs anymore, especially the longer I practice. I'm just like, the amount of times I prescribe them and they don't work for people is a lot. Yeah. But they do work for some people. I think I think they're one of those things that they work for the people they work for. Yes. You know what I mean? And, and that's like, not everybody. And they're and the more critical cases, like yeah. that's it's they're a maintenance medication, you know. So it's yeah. like they they're not like immediate, they're not, you no. know. And, and so if you have a pretty drastic mental illness, I think it's going to be tough for an SSRI to like yeah. cut your issues down enough that you can then deal with them with behavior modification. Like yeah. it's it's they're very easily tolerated. So therefore, they're probably not as strong. You know what I mean? Like, it makes yeah. sense. And they know? used to kind of just be our only option. Right. So it was like, you got some anxiety? Lexapro or Zoloft, what right. do you want? You know? And then that's about it. Right. But I feel like we have a lot more options now, which yeah. is good. But yeah. so, yeah, it's treatment-resistant depression. So if you've tried and failed other um, depression or um, acute suicidality is the other, like, indication for it. And the thought process is, like... It's kind of, and I tell this to my patients when we're like talking about doing it, like I don't feel like we have the neuroscience to know exactly what's happening. Right. So I'm just like totally upfront about that. The thought process is, is like with chronic depression, your neuro pathways kind of shut down or you lose some of those connections. And what the ketamine is doing is kind of reopening up some of those pathways that depression has closed. Is it working the same way and allowing, since those pathways are open, allowing them to absorb whatever hormones or chem brain chemicals that they normally would need is that how it's mm. is it like opening a door and letting fresh air in or is i would it say so yeah. yeah so it's like i think it helps everything else work better too okay. because you're like reopening those pathways so so you have to be doing other stuff um sure. one of the requirements is you have to be on an antidepressant as well and so i think the thought process there is everything else is going to work better. So what are you finding that uh, you're pairing it with as the other antidepressant then, usually? It depends. I wouldn't say there's just one. No, 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 no. Um, some of the pe people that do it that I see are my patients and some are like referred to me. So it really kind of depends on prescriber preference too. So what's the, what's the process? So they come into your, they come into your practice mm -hmm. and they sit down in a comfy chair, I assume. Right. You know. <laughs> right. Cause all your chairs are comfy. Right? So that's pretty much it. Even <laughs> the ones in the lobby that are just like regular office chairs are pretty comfy. The only thing I don't like is like the lobby is 
there's nowhere. I know. You know? But there is yeah. a, I don't think I've showed you this. There's a little space behind the desk that is like our lobby, but it's like back a little bit. Oh, is that where you guys come around to scare me? Yeah. Oh, okay. Is it? <laughs> yeah, the other way. Yeah, it's yeah. like right behind the like main entry yeah. desk. I'll have to show you, but yeah, it's not any. Well, I'll probably start better. stealing a room again now that I'm editing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, so they come in, they sit down in a comfy chair. You said it's a nasal mm-hmm. spray. Okay. Yeah. So you administer it, I assume. They do it. Oh, um, they, do? they, they have to be under our supervision. But so before their first ketamine session, we have like a pre appointment where we go over all the things. So mm-hmm. we have like a little practice device. So they feel super comfortable mm-hmm. doing that. And, like go over all the things you can't do the day of treatment and all that good stuff. So like what stuff can you not do the day of treatment? Can't eat two hours before, can't drink an hour before, and you can't drive. So somebody has to bring you. And so then they do the spray. Mm-hmm. And now is it different dosages for different body sizes and stuff? Or is it just pretty much Yeah, there's much two a... different dosages. Okay. It's kind of like, again, prescriber preference. But how I do is like the first doses, dosage is like the maintenance not the maintenance initiation to get your body used to it. Mm-hmm. I haven't really found that that lower dose does anything other than that. Oh, okay. So it's like we do that for the first two appointments and then we go right up to the next dose. So now they go up to the actual dose that's going to make a difference, yeah. right? So yeah. they, they take that. What happens? So it's kind of like an intensive treatment protocol. Like you're coming twice a week for a month and then you're coming once a week for a month. And then after that, we kind of just feel out how you're doing, whether that continues once a week or we go to every other or whatever that looks like. So it's like a big time commitment. I mean, you're there for two hours. Um, So they come in, we do the administration of the nasal device, um, and then they're there for two hours afterwards for monitoring. So we're like checking their vitals before they start in the middle and then at the end to make sure that they're doing okay. So what's happening during that time? So the like, it's a side effect of ketamine is like the dissociation and the sedation are the two biggest things. And dissociation is like so different for everybody it sounds so scary that big scary word but um for some people it's just like little perceptual changes like colors look differently some people are just sedated and napping it just depends on the person so then so they have whatever hopefully positive reaction they have are there are there any negative side effects that are troublesome or um it can make you nauseous so that's why no food or drink because obviously we don't want you like throwing up if you're sedated sure Mm, bad (laughs) um so that would be one headaches is one sometimes the dissociation is like negative depending on i really i have no science too this is totally just my own opinion but i really feel like it depends on your mental state that day like what you're coming into it so like if you're coming in after having a really really bad day i think the dissociation is probably not going to be positive so we try to like talk i talk with my people that day just like where are you at like how are you doing what's going on and even like if it is something really big has happened then maybe today is not the day to do treatment right have you seen any extremely negative reactions not much like really i was very nervous for that like when we first started i was like oh my god i just want to sit in here with you the whole time (laughs) and be super creepy but um no it's really most people tolerate it really well there has been a few like anxiety reactions but nothing super intense because i could see where that would be like i mean especially because of the environment that your practice is Mm -hmm. and like where it could be a little scary like just us in here you know whatever and you don't really know what's gonna happen and you have to count on them being honest with you about what their day has been like too yeah which i think like that's part of why i don't it's not like you meet once or it's not like the first time i meet this person we're doing a ketamine session because like you have to have that relationship rapport which that's important to me anyway in my practice but 
yeah, you have to have some kind of connection. So there is that trust right. both ways. Right. That makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. So you said you don't 100% know where it's going. How long have you been doing it now? Um, a year. A year. That's crazy. And is it something you think that you're going to stick with? Has Absolutely. Has there been enough positive? Yeah. yeah. It's been like I've had, I would say, and I cannot say this about any other medication I prescribe. I would say everybody that has done this treatment that I have treated has had some positive response. So that, that was going to be my next question is once they leave, so they've, the mm-hmm. two hours is up and are they, they have to have someone drive them home. Mm-hmm. Right. So then, then what, like, how is it continue to help them throughout the next two weeks or whatever? Yeah. And I feel like that's where we don't have like the, the science to know. I mean, like it's not, um, it's those pathways that are reconnecting in your brain and what that looks like. I don't know. Someday and we'll know. Is the is the goal that it is still helping them over those two weeks mm-hmm. or that the, it's the immediate relief of it's the treatment? It's both, I would say. But like the reason that when you're first starting treatment, it's more intense. You're doing it twice a week mm-hmm. for a month is because that's like the initiation you're trying to. It's almost like pushing down those roadblocks. Like if a, mm-hmm. if a road is closed, you're pushing down the roadblocks to get the cars through. That's like the initiation. And then we hit to a point where... The roads are all open, cars are, traffic is moving freely, but we want to keep them open. So that's like the maintenance when you're coming less often. So I have some people that get down to just doing it once a month, you know, just to maintain the progress that we've made. So is it, is it, it's not repairing those pathways, right? It's just mm-hmm. holding them open? Cause like, like my, I feel like I don't know enough to say. Well, my understanding is that like the brain and the spinal cord are the only two things that once they're quote unquote damaged, they don't heal i think it's mm, yeah i would say they weren't the pathways are not damaged enough to be like it's not like brain damage sure you know it's more just lack of connection okay so it's kind of connecting them all back together and trying to make a more to follow the uh, analogy a more stable network yeah yeah for sure okay that makes sense. that's my very like rudiment rudimentary neuroscience (laughs) (laughs) i don't pretend to be a neuroscientist (laughs) so running down everything we've talked about tell me one thing that you you were surprised overall whether it's in your life or your practice that you thought 100% was going to be successful and just wasn't that and it surprised you that it wasn't successful mm, hard question like in my work anything anything in, in your life hmm. this sounds so gross but i'm like i don't know it has there been things that haven't been super successful <laughs> I hate myself for saying that. What's it like to feel like that? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Well, Mm. so so basically, like, what was something that failed and surprised you? Oh, that's a good way to... failed, same thought process, but failed and surprised you. Well, I guess, like, when I was doing community-based work, the whole reason I got my NP is because I felt like there was, like, a failure of that system that I was working in. Sure. So that was, I don't know that I was surprised that it failed because it was awful working in it, (laughs) but um, I ultimately had a patient that committed suicide and that was like uh, life-changing for me. It was awful. Yeah. And so when that happened, I was like, I felt like working in it, I already knew like I'm just in a system that is failing and I'm just part of it because I'm working in it. That doesn't drive well with me. Um, But then when that big event happened, it was like, I really reflected back on all the things that we fucked up and ways we failed this one particular individual. And it was just like so disheartening and sickening. And I was like, fuck you. I can do it better. So (laughs) got my MP. (laughs) Literally purely out of spite. (laughs) So 
That actually brings up a, a an interesting topic is, and you can tell me to go fuck myself if you want. <laughs> and I will, you know. Uh, yeah, I know, I know. Um, <laughs> do you see somebody? Yeah. Good. I actually just got reestablished with a new person. Good. Like one time. I've seen him one time. <laughs> but I'm so glad that you answered that in the affirmative because yeah. I always tell everybody, if you are seeing someone who doesn't see someone, you don't trust them. Huge red flag. Don't trust them. Huge red flag. <laughs> 100% do not trust yes, that person. Yes, agreed. So good. I'm glad that you answered that because yeah. it was following up on, you know, you had a client that committed suicide. Like, it's like, that's going to happen. For sure. You know, and, and it's important that you have some way that you can deal with that and not uh, just 100%. I'm going to do better next time because that's not fair. No. Because you and I both know if it's going to happen, it's going to happen, happen. You know, yeah. and it sucks and it's kind of part of the job is sometimes you're going to have a loss. Mm -hmm. But that, you know, those losses can kind of be like they're not 100% surprising. You know, it's like, I think it it's the ones sucks. that are surprising yeah. are the harder. Yeah. Which is, uh, you know, I, I had one of those recently, like it just kind of came in. It was a, it was a bad reaction to mm -hmm. new mental health medication is what a hundred percent what it was because the, the totality of the circumstances, the way it was done, the proximity to when they're around their friends and what their headspace was then. And it was on a friend's birthday. Like none of those things would have been a choice. Right. At all. It just wouldn't have been. That wasn't the kind of person this guy was. He wouldn't have victimized people in that way. Just wouldn't have done it. So, and he had just started a new med. Anybody that understood how that works was like, yeah, that's, that's that. And he had always been very open about his mental illness and like that things he was trying to feel better and mm -hmm. was always actively dealing with maintenance and stuff. So it, it, it those are, yeah, the surprising ones suck. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you're also like, well, he was very open about his mental illness. It was always a risk. Mm -hmm. You know, it sucks. It's it just sucks. unfair and it is what it is. So that was, that was tough. Uh, I wasn't as close to him as other people were, mm -hmm. but that kind of brings up, uh, like, I don't want to keep you from your life, but it kind of mm -hmm. brings up something that we had touched on too is grief is a really weird emotion. And, you know, I, I've lost two people in the last two months and that one was less impactful on me. One, because I was already all grieved out <laughs> from Tony's death, you totally know, a thing. Yeah. and, and I was, I mean, Tony was, Tony wasn't just my friend. He was my brother. Like, I mean, he was my big brother. I looked up to him. I looked to him for acceptance, like for him to, uh, for affirmation. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to be the kind of dad that he, he was like, I wanted to be the person cause he, he cultivated this, uh, this tribe of people that were all good people. And so I was talking to his, his wife about two weeks ago when I asked how she felt about me continuing to do the show. And I was like, I will not do it without your blessing. Like you and the girls, like your opinion on this is the only one that matters. Like, what do you think? And she's like, you absolutely have to keep doing it. Basically so powerful to have that from her. Yeah. Yeah. Like I couldn't have done it without it. Like yeah. I couldn't like, and, and like, I had, I wanted to wait long enough to ask her, you know, because yeah. I, like I had been, I didn't know if I wanted to, you know, because grief is so fucking weird. It's and, so it, weird. and this just doesn't feel like I'm constantly out of the corner of my eye. You know, I've got the video feedback going on over here, like for promo shit. And out of the corner of my eye, I keep wanting to look and be like, right, right, Tony. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, it's, it's tough because that's where he would have been, yeah. you know, cause he would remote in when we did I mean, like you're the first local person, but I've had other people in here from out of town that have come in and done this. And he was always right there and chiming in and asking questions. And 
so it, it's it's tough and uh, she also asked she was like could you have someone on that could talk a little bit about grief and how it works? And I was like, it's funny that you mentioned that because, no pressure. right. But I was like the first person that we're going to, that I was going to have on uh, is my friend Cassie. And like, she's a mental health professional and I wanted that segue of like, look, things are not okay. Like it, it's not, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't, he, he like creatively, uh, uh, creatively, like, um, nobody has ever really believed in any of this. Like, this has just been my thing, you know, like this has been my thing that I do for mental wellness. It's my thing that I do f- to be creative because, uh, working for the corporation I work for is not a creative job. It's just like time to make the donuts, you know? And mm-hmm. so I've done this when I stopped doing stand up, when I stopped doing theater, like this has been the constant in one way or another, like not this show specifically, but my old show and my YouTube channel and stuff, uh, misinformation productions. We do whiskey reviews and stuff. It's fun. Um, but (laughs) shameless plug, shameless plug. Um, but so, um, this has been my, my creative outlet, but at no point has really anybody been like, wow, you do really good work. You should keep doing this. Like this is what you should be doing except for Tony. And when SAG, uh, after uh, and um, the Writers Guild went on strike, Tony was like, hey, I really want to work with you on this project. Like, I want to create this show where we talk to people about peopling, you know, like, uh, and like, I like to use that term because when we had Jorge on and I was like, people aren't good at peopling. And Jorge is just in the background going, people don't people. You know, it's, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was fun, like, to be affirmed in that way, too, because it was funny and it's nice to be laughed at. Uh but Tony was always, you know, I was always stuck on the analytics. Like, how many people listened last week? Um, what's our trend? How are we trending? Like, what are the downloads? Like, which topics did well? And he's always like, shut up. This is a good show. It tells a good story. We're doing a good job. It's technically proficient. It will work. So you need that balance. Yeah. yeah. So it's tough not having him because he's a positive, he, he's a positive person. Like he's still a positive influence in my life because every time I go to look at the statistics, I'm like, why? It's he's not yelling at you. Yeah. It's not important. Yeah. But like, I still haven't, like, I won't say I haven't cried over it, but like, I haven't, I still want to text him. Like I still, and not just like, Oh, I miss him. I'd like to text him. But like when something happens, like I just like, uh, uh, and it's not real to me because it was so fucking unfair and so unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. And for them, obviously way more than me. I mean, he was their world and he's just my best friend, you know, like, so I don't think you have to compare though. No, no, no. But, but, but I think it's just important that like, I'm very specific about like, this didn't just happen to me, right? you know, like it happened to fuck. It happened to the world. You know I mean? The guy's been on, everybody's TV, you know, he's been on everybody's movie screen, you know, and, and everybody lost this guy. And so I think that's one of the reasons Reagan wanted me to talk to somebody about grief because it's like, how the fuck does everybody like, how does like, why, why like grief is healthy, but like, how do you grieve something that should have never fucking happened? I had a guy come into work the other day and he's like, I, I got to go to a funeral tomorrow. I was like, oh man, I'm really sorry. He's like, oh, she was 94. Mm. And I'm like, 
She had to get her on, buddy. A little, little <laughs> you know, different circumstance. It is a little different. Like, yeah. not, not to say that people shouldn't right. be. But at the same time, when you hear that somebody who's 94 years old could have been extremely healthy even. They mm-hmm. die. You're like. It's a natural progression yeah, and like, of life. But good for them. Yeah. Yeah. Good for them. They made it 94 years. Can you imagine all the things they saw? Yeah. Can you imagine all the things they experienced? When you hear of a 54, 55-year-old guy dying, you're just like, no. Yeah. No. They're and, totally different. And someone who didn't live unhealthily someone who didn't have vices someone who didn't who did all of the things they were supposed to do i mean look me and tony aren't exactly olympic swimmers or anything but like he did very rarely drank didn't smoke you know like and and like picked his kids up from school every day and it's just like twofold why him and oh fuck is that me Mm -hmm. like am i gonna wake up tomorrow dead like it's just such a hard like every time I get indigestion now, I'm like, fuck, am I dying? Like, it's such a stupid thought process, you know? But like, I think that's natural, though, to like see that happen and, and turn it to yourself, you know? Maybe. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just like us as humans. That's how your thought process goes. It's like, however, it's impacting you. For grief, like, I assume that closure is probably stupid important because that's why we have funerals and celebration of life and stuff. I just don't understand for other, like, I don't, for everybody, like, I, I don't understand how, I understand how grief works, but at the same time, like, it never feels the same. You know, like, every grief feels completely different. Like, it's like, you're not even opening the same wound. Definitely not. Because everything, because it's a different loss every time. Yeah. Your logical brain is like, well, look, if I am a basketball player and I lose all the time. Um, I, I kind of get used to losing, you know, but it's like y- you have deaths and I've, I've dealt with death, sure. you know, I mean, and I've had people in my life that died and I was like, yeah, that fucking sucks, mm-hmm. but we're okay. <laughs> and I've had people in my life that have died and it fucking destroyed me. And I just worry about people and having to deal with such an unfair thing. I worry about his his kids, his wife. They're all young, mm-hmm. you know, and now they have to live the rest of their lives. It's just not fucking fair. And I just like I keep saying that over and over, like, mm-hmm. and 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 it's like how how do people who are grieving how do they rectify that and and not feel hopeless for the other people that have felt the same loss, you know, like. Because that doesn't help them. I mean, I guess that's the difference between empathy and pity. Right. You know, and sympathy. Like, empathy, you feel for them. Sympathy and pity, you feel bad. About how they're feeling. Yeah. You know, whereas empathy, you feel for them and you want good things for them. And it's like, I guess that's what you do. I feel like it almost speaks to, like, the connection, though. Like, you said, like, there's other losses that were hard but hard in a different way like i feel like the difference is the connection with each loss you know like yeah. the because this one is so hard so much harder i mean that just speaks to the connection that you guys had right i think that's the difference with each loss like each loss is going to be different because of a lot of things like who you are where you're at in life like right. every time you've lost somebody you've been a different person because we're all different we're all changing evolving our life experiences but then who that person is to you Right. Is really what makes it different. And I think part of it that's so hard too is like everyone 
is taking this loss Mm -hmm. hard. And like I said before, he cultivated this tribe of people. Like there are people that I've spoke to once that are texting me and like, are you okay? And I'm like, fuck, you're a good person. Like it would have never even occurred to me to try to get somebody's number and see if they're okay. I mean, I sent some Facebook messages out and stuff and I've maintained contact with people, but like I had one guy, he texted me. He didn't have my number. I don't know how he got it. Wow. And I'm just like, that's fucking great, man. Like, like what a good person. And that's why, like, I really hope that I get to speak at his celebration of life, not to talk about like how important he was to me, but like how important all those people were to him because he, he, it's like, he's like a fucking museum director that curated all these good people, present company excluded and (laughs) brought them together, you know, so that they could continue. I'm still texting back and forth with people from out there and setting up to go get tea or go have dinner with people I never knew before September. Because he put all of us in each other's orbit, and that was what he, that was what he did for the show. It was like he was the the person who could go. I know good people that are interesting and want to talk about interesting things that we can then share with other people, so that they can feel like they're not fucking alone. And so, without him, it's tougher for me because I'm the one who makes the poop jokes in the show. You know, I'm the one who makes people laugh so that they're not uncomfortable being recorded. Mm -hmm. Tony was the one who would ask poignant questions about raising children and and all this. So it's it's like he knew what everyone's strength was and 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 would even come up with their topics. You know, like, hey, I want to bring these two guys on, have them talk about being fathers, or I want to bring these two guys on, have them talk about Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) You know, like just this shit that like. So all of the people were so important to him because he had a different connection with each one of them and they were all such good people or they won't be there. Wow. You know, that's pretty powerful. And, and like, I think they need to know that because I think, and maybe it's just for me and in the way that I deal with that, I'm dealing with this particular grief. I think it's just as important that people know that they're going to be okay. I mean, we all know he's going to be okay. (laughs) I mean, the universe just got real weird. (laughs) Like, uh, the universe is exhausted right now, I guarantee you, because dealing with his bullshit <laughs> and his puns and his stupid fucking jokes and constantly ball busting, like, is even for an entire universe has got to be exhausting. But he's going to be okay. I think part of grief is not knowing whether you're going to be okay. The funeral, a funeral is not about the person who died, has nothing to do with them. No. A celebration of life, I think, is, which is why I'm glad we're doing it that way. But still, um, the people there need to know that they're going to be okay, and myself included. Like, I I, I mean, on the s- surface, I know I'm going to be okay. But, like, Ellie still cries every time I say his name. It's so fucking dumb and hard and unfit. Like, now I'm going back to the same well again, but, like. Well, it changes the dynamic, too, when there's kids involved, you know? Yeah, like, his yeah, kids and yeah, then your kids, yeah. like, having that trying to be that person for them well it's like i've known his kids since they were babies you know like i've now seen his oldest daughter zooming around on her scooter almost fucking killing people when we're going to lunch and now the last time i went out there his youngest daughter who is ellie's age is on her bicycle Mm. almost running people down on the sidewalk 
the same exact thing, two completely different kids, but like, it's like, those are two memories I'll always have because it's like, oh my God, it's like I fucking time traveled. We're doing this again. <laughs> Your kids are going to kill somebody, you know, like, and, but it's an endearing moment to me because I'm like, look, they're clearly raised by the same people. Mm-hmm. Like they're sharing another moment. That's just, it's just fucking wild, man. Like I, I'm, I'm glad that you're going to be the first show back. Cause I think that's important that it, there's a transition from what we were doing to what I'm hoping we're still going to continue to be doing. Like, I don't want the show to change. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to change at all. That's impossible. Yeah. It's, it's impossible. Don't set yourself up for that right. standard. Cause that's not fair to you either. I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I hear some like imposter syndrome things when you're talking. Like I, I don't, I don't know Tony, so I was never a part of his life or met him, but I think that you bring conversation too. Like, I don't, I think you are underselling yourself a little bit when you say that stuff. It's, but it's different. It's not the same dynamic. Right. And I, and I, I appreciate that. And like, I thank you for saying that because it, it does mean a lot to me. And I, you know, I have no poker face. So if I didn't mean it, you'd be like, shut the fuck up. No, I trust you. (laughs) I trust you. But you know, for me, it's like, I always, I always wanted to be him. You know what I mean? Like I, I, that, that was my, my sights were set on like, that is a guy who's doing what he wants to do. Sometimes he was successful. Sometimes he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He always took it with grace and dignity. And and he was a good dad. I was at his house uh, in September. And it was so fucking quiet. And I'm like. Like his kids were quiet? Yeah. I was like, oh. what's, wrong, what's wrong with your kids? What was he slipping in the water? Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. I was like, what, what's, what's wrong? And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, <laughs> it is so quiet here. What's wrong? He's like, it's always like that here. But they just have a, that a stable home. Stable upbringing, stable parents, like they don't scream at each other. I'm not saying they don't have disagreements, but they handle things appropriately. Like watching him, I'm doing douche quotes right now, (laughs) discipline his kids was simply a conversation with them. And it's like, fuck, I want, I want to be that guy, you know? And when he was here, I always had his guidance. Like I could ask him questions or at least I could just watch him model the behavior. Mm-hmm. I don't get to have that anymore. So while there's some imposter syndrome, yeah, but some of it is also like, I am not there. Like I'm not there. Like I'm not the guy I wanted to be the guy who was setting an example for me. Like he's not here anymore. So like, it's like now where do I look mm-hmm. for, for that guidance for that, you know? And I've always felt like I wasn't good enough to do this. He was the one who was telling me I was, you know, like, so it's, 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 and it sounds like a lot of like, woe is me, poor me shit, but it's like, but it's like, it's such a weird transition for me to make just because what is the word I'm looking for? I aspired, I aspired Mm. to be more like him. He made me a better person. Like I remember sitting on his couch at his old house in like 20, must've been like 2016 because I think Jenny was pregnant with Hattie and at their old house, which was almost identical to the house they live in now. It's insane. (laughs) Um, We're sitting in the family room on the couch. It's like two in the morning and we're having a discussion about gun control. Jesus. Yeah. yeah, That's a 2 a.m. conversation. Yeah. And it it was, and I had very strong opinions about look, responsible gun owners and can't make new rules and blah, 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 blah. And he was just like, what is wrong with you? You are too smart to feel this way. Listen to me like this, 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 and this completely changed. People can't do that with me. No. Completely changed my outlook on it. It's like, yeah, something's wow. got to change. 
Like, we can't keep saying, like, it's not the gun, it's a person. Like, okay, yeah, but that person without that gun can't fucking kill 22 kids. You know, but I couldn't get my head wrapped around it until my big brother sits me down and goes, hey, stupid. <laughs> like, you know that what you're saying is bullshit, right? Like, you know that you're just trying to defend a thing because you think you're supposed to. Like, and I was like, shit. That's pretty powerful because people can't change your mind. No. On anything. No. <laughs> I feel like I have tried on several topics uh, and think, been unsuccessful. I think you've been a lot more successful than you know. I think. But that, that speaks yeah. to your guys' relationship. Yeah, 100%. Huge. Like Because like in the moment to recognize that? Yeah. What? Oh, it didn't happen in the moment. Oh, okay. No, no. It took a little like, I had you to digest like, mm. it. I had to digest it, but it happened pretty quickly thereafter. Wow. Like, I mean, it, it, yeah, like I'm not going to give him too much credit. Right? Okay, I'm not going to be like, he was like, change a kiss, mind a kiss. <laughs> and then it was done. No, no, no. He, it, that, that didn't happen. But, uh, but it, it did but happen. Yeah. It hundred percent did happen. It was because of the conversation I had with him and wh where I would always get on him though, is like on the internet, he would argue with people. I was like, dude, fucking stop. Like you're not going to change their mind. Granted, you did change my mind, but you're on the internet right now. You're exhausting yourself. This guy's a total asshole. This guy is like, maybe some kids got to die for us to keep our liberties. And you're like, what the fuck? Yikes. What the fucking fuck? Yikes. You know, like, but those, Yikes. I mean, he's, he's originally from a small town. So like, there's some small town mentalities on Facebook that would bleed over. Whatever. That's a story for another day. But anyway, <laughs> so yeah, so it's, I having the aspiration and I can still, I guess, have those aspirations, but like the guidance isn't there anymore to get me there. You know, like every time I would fuck something up, he would be the first person that I would text be like, would you believe what I just fucking did? You know? And I don't, I don't have that anymore. I don't have re he was the most reasonable person in my life aside from my wife. And she just is overhearing about it sometimes. So like I could, he could talk me down pretty easily and just be like, dude, it's not that big of a fucking deal. Like you're, you'll fix it. Like whatever. It sounds like he had faith though in your abilities. Like I think that is, that's pretty big too. Like I, I like to think so. Mm, he did. Yeah. I don't know him. I never met yeah. him, but otherwise he wouldn't have done this with you. Right, right. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. And I think it would have it was it was gonna continue, you know. I mean, like we had a plan, you know, we um and and, and like we weren't stupid, like we wanted to make money with it, you sure. know. Like <laughs> so I mean like, that's natural. Yeah. Um it it hasn't. <laughs> In any way, it's shape, new, or form, though. Yeah. it's fresh. Yeah. So, but at the same, like, we had a plan, and and he convinced me to do things that I had never done before, like to to take a risk, to spend money, to you know, fly out there, to like, I mean, like all these things that I would have never done because then I could blame it on the fact that I hadn't done that. Mm. You know, like I'd be like, well, this would have been successful, but I didn't fly out to L.A. like because that would have been dumb. That would have been irresponsible. Now, if this fails. Before, I could just be like, it was just a failure. And now I'd be like, it would have been fine if he was here. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's going to be tough. That's a different to, layer of yeah. pressure. Yeah. So, I mean, but he got me to do, and I'm thankful for that. I really am. I'm thankful that I got to see him in September. I'm thankful that every time we said goodbye, we told each other we loved each other. Like, I'm thankful that I don't have any regrets as yeah. far as the way that we interacted. I don't have to regret any of that. And it, and it has taught me how I should treat other people in my life because pfft, who, who knows? fucking knows, Yeah, you know, like who fucking knows. And I had a conversation with another guy from college. He lost two people in the last year and he just reached out to me. He's like, I miss you, dude. Like I, you know, we saw each other 
I was with Tony when we drove cross country and I stopped in Colorado and saw this guy I hadn't seen in 20 years, you know, and he's like, I miss you. We need to get together and we need to figure out some way to hang out every so often. And hearing that from this guy who was like not an emotional person. I mean, he was, I take that back. He'd get really emotional about like getting down on himself and stuff and being frustrated. But like, as far as I don't want to miss out on any more life, I don't want to miss out on any more people. I lost these two people. I'm thinking of the people that are important to me and I'm thinking of you as like, fuck, you know, like fuck, 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 you know? Um, but then after this happens and then I lost the second guy, I texted him right away. I was like, I get it now. I get it. I'll see you in May or June. Like I'm like, I'm flying to Colorado and going hiking and I'm going to fucking see him, you know? So it's like, fuck, grief fucking sucks, man. It's like a perspective shifter, you know? Yeah. Like I feel like there's, especially when it's a big loss, I don't feel like, I think sometimes people get stuck in the thought process of like, I want to get back to how I felt before. And I just don't know that that's like realistic. Like it feels like there's before and after, and that's okay. Like, it's just because it was that big of a, of of a connection that you had with that person. But like his kids are going to be okay. Right. Yeah. I think, I think it's going to be different. Like, I think they're going to have a new, it's not going to be back to how it was before. Right. Like, I don't think that's fair to hold them to that standard or for them to hold them to that themselves to that standard of like i want to feel how i did before dad died like i just don't think that that's fair this is a new phase of their life you know right like and i feel like i could sit here for the next i mean we've already been talking for almost two hours like i feel like i could sit here for the next like six hours and be like and why did it have to happen at christmas and why did this and why did that but it's like i feel like if you go down that rabbit hole then you're just it just turns into like the universe is unfair party and then you're just gonna blame everything for making it worse and it's like but you have to feel that anger too yeah. you know like that's part of it like of course it's okay to be mad it's not fair it sucks right. it fucking sucks right. and but there no matter what the circumstance was yeah you could go down that rabbit yeah. hole all day you know even if it wasn't around the holidays it'd be like well why was it a nice day today when right. this happened right you why know? do i have to remember my grandma died on saint patrick's day and so i don't right. do saint patrick's day like yeah. it's just like eh, it's also a stupid holiday like it's just like Amateurs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll agree to disagree. It's one of my favorite times here. But it's like I can get blackout drunk in my basement, as evidenced by a couple weeks ago. But it's um, like but, acceptable in public that day. Yeah, so. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. So it's just it is what it is. I, I hope that this conversation about grief, I hope it helps people. Like, I hope that it was I hope it does justice what Reagan wanted us to discuss. I hope it wasn't just too much me saying how sad I am. Um, I don't think that at all. And I'm here living it. So I would have cut you off and like, okay. I mean, he has a fucking snot rocket hanging down to his (laughs) knees. But other than that, he's he's in pretty good shape, folks. I think think that snot's more about other people than it is about him. (laughs) It's probably not. Um, I thought um, closure. I thought that was an interesting like word that you brought up earlier. Yeah. Um, Because I think that's like something with grief people really like look for a lot is just like, how do I find this closure? And I, I think that looks really different for everybody too. So I feel like that's an important takeaway with grief, I guess. I don't know that that's the right word, but it's just like that closure is going to come differently for everybody. And does it, I mean like, and this is obviously could very easily be a question you can't answer, but like, does it have to come? No. Can you, can you leave a grief situation without closure and still be healthy. I think so. Cause I don't, cause what does closure even mean? Like, I don't think it's ever going to be like, Oh, this never happened and I'm fine. Right. You know, I think, I think what's healthy with grief is, is letting whatever your emotions be, what they are experiencing them, feeling them. And however you have to process that in a healthy way, that isn't 
self-destructive right. or right. not processing it, great. And it's, I mean, grief isn't like a linear progression. So it's not like, oh, I have closure. This book is closed and right. I'm fine forever. Like, no, there's always going to be triggers or things that bring back those memories. But I think, again, that just speaks to the connection. Like, because that connection was so deep is why those memories are always going to be there. Well, and I think it's important, too, that people understand that anyone who tells you how you should be feeling is not somebody... You better run. Yeah, like, <laughs> that was a conversation uh, his wife and I had very early before he died while he was still um, in the hospital and not awake. Um, because, you know, I don't want to... Uh, it's not my story to share, but, like, one thing I did tell her was, like, look, no matter what decision you make, we all support you. And anybody who questions any decision that you make, one, doesn't know you because clearly you're doing it for what you are sure or at least believe to be the right reasons. And you don't need those people in your life. Mm -hmm. Like if they're going to question the decisions you're making about the husband that you clearly fucking love, the father of your kids that is a good dad, and that if they're questioning your decision-making, they don't know you. And and like you should be able to feel however the fuck you want to feel. Especially in those pivotal moments of your life that right. are like the hardest times. You right. need the people around you that, yeah, just that unconditional support. It's I mean, like, it's already unfair enough that you have to make the decision of when right. this thing ends. You shouldn't, shouldn't allow have to justify people. It. No, it shouldn't allow people to, to decide whether you made the right decision. You, whatever decision, whatever decision she made, we were all going to support her. I mean, and, and I think that his friends are continuing. I mean, uh, the Felds have done such a fucking admirable job. They've just been such great friends to them. They've been there. They were there the day. They were there when he, Tony died. They were there Christmas Day, you know, sitting around having laughs and having fun and trying to keep things as normal as they could be, you know, and and and, and they're just such good people. I, and I told David, I was like, I, I think I told him. And if I haven't told him, he'll probably hear it here <laughs> that I, I envied the fact that he lived a mile away from Tony, you know, that they got, they got to see each other because I had talked about like whenever something important happened, I would text him, you know, and David was like, well, I didn't have that relationship with him. I mean, I was here. So like every time something important happened, we were together, you know, and I was like, in my head, I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> but I, I know David. David's a good person and I like him. He's become a, a close friend. So I'm just like, I envy that. You know, I envy that he had all those years, you know, and I had visits. He had years. Like, and and I envy that because it is fulfilling, mm -hmm. you know. Um, so, but, you know, there are a lot of people, they have a great support system. Somebody asked me if I was going out when, you know, when it happened. I was like, no. Uh, I, I One, I, I, that's not, how I choose to remember him, you know, and two, they have support. Like mm -hmm. they have people, good people around them. Um, yeah, it was really, really was, I mean, just really good people that stepped up and did what they could do to make it a less shitty situation. You know, it's like, they don't, they don't need me out there. I mean, would they have appreciated me? Yeah, they would have a hundred percent, but like they didn't need it. And I needed to save it for when I needed to go out and I need to be there for this. So I don't feel good. My tummy hurts. <laughs> I have that effect on people. Yeah. <laughs> I do that sometimes. Uh, but I just felt it was important to, to bring up this conversation, not to 
uh, abuse your friendship and, uh, and get I'm not your... a grief expert. Yeah. I prefaced with that <laughs> before I even came here. But, but you do have I an do. understanding and, and you have insight even like. I feel like I can just hold space for that too. Yeah. Like I don't, that's something I do feel like I can say I do well. It's like whatever is going on. Yeah. We can sit in it together. Yeah. Well, and you've always been really good at letting me like talk things out and like figure things out. Like when we're talking about something frustrating and allow me to go. Oh, maybe I should do something else. Maybe I should go do, maybe that means this, like, which is probably why you're good at your job because a lot of times people solve their own problems. That's, that yeah. should be the goal of any yeah. mental health professional. Yeah. Like I'm not in the, in the profession of giving advice most of the time, unless I'm like, oh, that's going to really like yeah. hurt you. Maybe stop the cocaine. Yeah. Maybe. maybe I don't that even say that usually. <laughs> but maybe it would help a little bit. Maybe let's you, just cut back. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Havesies. Yeah. Havesies. Harm reduction. <laughs> oh, God. But thank you so much. Even if it got a little heavy, thank you very much for coming okay. on. Yeah, I, was I, I was ready. I knew you were going to fall apart. Yeah. Uh, but I, I've I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So, and I I think it gives people some insight into what you do and what you do is important. So, thank you. I'm so glad. Uh, glad we made it happen. Me too. I showed up. Okay. Yay. All right. Love you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Tony Forsmark.